You're listening to Fox on the Wire Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, welcome to the Fox on the Wire Podcast. I am not your host. I'm your guest, Luciano Alvaro. Sitting opposite me is your host, Mr. Craig Williams. How are you, Craig? Good, Luch. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. It's great to be in this chair again. It's been some time. Absolutely. Actually, correction to your intro there, you're the co-host tonight. Oh, co-host. That's your very This privileged. is a joint uh, episode. We're, I, actually, we're here for you. We are here for you. Here for me. Yeah, because this is your this is your favorite. This is a tribute to your favorite album. Absolutely. Of all time. Absolutely of all time. So, what an album. So this is for you, and uh, this is a bit of a hopefully a learning uh, for everyone out there listening about this album. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to getting into talking about it. This is one of our favorite artists, uh, and. You know, we've been hanging out a bit more lately and we've been talking about this band and you've been raving about this album in particular and since then I've been cranking it non-stop and, um, you know, we talked about doing an episode and here we are. So, what what album is it? What album? Well, for all the people out there, it's, uh, well, it has, it is, it is a album that is near and dear to our hearts. As you said, my favourite album, and you've uh, definitely gone down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Tonight, we're talking about classic album all the way back to 1988. An amazing band by the band name of Bon Jovi. We are going to be deep diving into their classic album, New Jersey. New Jersey, all the way back to 88. So I was about five. Me too. Yes. I didn't know we were the same age. Yeah, same age. How about that? Yeah. Five years old. Yeah. Were you listening to Bon Jovi when you were five years old? I wasn't. I was into uh, John Farnham. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and the Beatles. Very cool. Uh, Rolling Stones, uh, ABBA, and sort of anything else my dad was playing at the time. So, yeah, Bon Jovi came a bit later, and this album wasn't... Uh, one of the albums that I got into as an album, I think Crossroads was my first Bon Jovi album, which obviously had a few songs on that from this New Jersey album. Uh, so yeah, Crossroads kept me busy for a long time. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I can't say I remember what the first full album I brought was. It might have been Keep the Faith. Um, and actually, New Jersey as an album was probably one of the one of the not one of the last albums I got into, but one of the later ones as a full album. And uh, yeah, I'm thinking, why did I wait so long now? <laughs> so <laughs> surprisingly, me too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 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 down with you with that whole crossroad um, uh, vibe. You know, that's where I first uh, heard. You know, my first, what was my first full taste of Bon Jovi? You know, first song here, living on a, living on a prayer, and that was just like something yeah. just blew my mind, as yeah. it did to everybody that heard it for the first time ever. Um, yeah, learned everything from that, and then just started back cataloging from there. But for some reason, yeah, I think it went, I went to just like you went to keep the faith. Yep, went. I think went to these days. I got finally got to Slippery. I don't know how that took so long to get there. Yeah, eventually fell fell into New Jersey. Yep. And my life changed from that moment. <laughs> i got a little story on that I'll tell. Okay. Uh, uh, now or later? Tell us now. Tell me now. Go okay. for it. Oh, go for okay. It. Well, I'm, I'm going to go straight into it now because this yep. is, okay, w- and why you and I are talking about this and why I love this album so much and what it did for my love of music and just an absolute progression into, you know, 
wanted to become more of a, a fan of the band or even become a musician or just be more into music, whatever it might be. I don't know. This album just did something for me. Yeah. I was becoming a, I was becoming a fan of Bon Jovi, getting more into him from, you know, the crossroads from, you know, these days and uh, slippery and all that kind of stuff there. And I love the songs. They were amazing songs. And, um, you know, but, um, you know, I mean, my cousin's telling me, they're like, oh man, you got to get the new album, New Jersey. You got to get, you got to get New Jersey. You love New Jersey. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. No worries. Settle down. All right. I'll get New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> I was, this was, I was 15 at the time. Um, um, so I'd gone down to my local, remember Sanity? Yeah. They're still around. They're still around. around. Only in country Victoria and Adelaide, I think. So And online, I think. <laughs> and possibly online. And of course yeah. online, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, like I was down there one day at good old Greensboro Plaza, which was my uh, yeah. local hangout at the time. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the style. Uh, yeah. Saw the album there. It was like, tw- you know, 20 bucks or whatever. Back in 1998, we're talking. Yeah. So, um, I was like, okay, cool. It's here. Great. Fantastic. I've. I'm just going to pick up this CD and I'm going to take it home. And I already knew some of the songs, you know, you knew, you knew the hits, you knew lay your hands on me, you knew bad medicine. Yeah. I'll be there for you. I'll be like, okay, cool. They're cool songs. Let's learn the other ones now. Let's see what they're like. And I remember that night. Uh, so I bought the CD. I, I got home in the evening from school and I had a, uh, like a, a test or an exam the next day. Uh, I can't remember what subject it was. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to study for this exam and I'm going to put this album on in the background while, you know, while I study. Yep. So, yeah, from start, you know, listening to, I think the first, yeah, first song was Lay Your Hands On Me. It was yep. Bad Medicine. I was familiar with those. So beautiful. Just started off nicely then. Yeah. And then it started going to the songs I hadn't heard. So yep. after that, it was Born To Me My Baby. It was Living In Sin. It was Blood On Blood. And like... I'm hearing these songs for the first time. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that feeling of hearing a song for the first time and just yeah. being like, whoa. Yep. Yeah, well, all the songs that I hadn't heard on that album, that was exactly how I felt. Mm. I was getting to the point where halfway through listening to the CD, like I'd, I'd put my book away or put my pen down, whatever, <laughs> and I was jumping on my bed just air guitar into like, you know, homebound train while I'm looking in my mirror thinking I'm bloody Richie Sambora, you know? Even though you're a drummer. Even though I'm a drummer, man. At that moment, I was, I was the hottest air guitarist in the world, man. So, so it was just like this album, like, and, and it just kept going. The song had so many leaps and bounds to mm. it. It almost felt like the story had, it almost felt like a conceptual album, Yep. you know, like, you know, a very, like a storyline album because mm. the way that songs were, I guess, placed on, you know, the track list thing, yeah. the way it moved, you know, and it was just like, it just took me places mm. and I couldn't stop. I just, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Every song on this album I heard gave me goosebumps yep. right down to like the last track, which is, you know, basically a demo of, you know, just John and uh, Richie just, just, you know, hammering out a guitar on a balcony or whatever it is, you know? So, yeah, yeah. but there was something to it that was just like, it's, it spoke to my, you know, I guess becoming a bit, you know, uh, a bit, you know, worldly now. Like it just, it hit a frequency in me that was just like, this means something more than just, you know, a few chords and some lyrics, you know, this is, this is big time. I listened to that album, I think about four or five times at night, barely did a bit of study at all. <laughs> Uh, whatever. Again, I can't remember what the exam or test was that I did, but I ended up getting a great result on oh, it. Yeah, I mean, so this up for my brain. <laughs> Jesus. So yeah. So hey, music, music for the brain. You know, food, food for the brain. Wow, musical so, food. <laughs> so when you listen to this album now, does it still give you that similar? I mean, you'll never get the same feeling as you had the first time. It, oh, but- oh, oh, oh! I will say though, yeah. every time I put it on, every yeah. time I 
I, I, I chuck on the, the, the vinyl or chuck on the Spotify, whatever it might yeah. be, in the car, whatever I might be doing, man, I always, without fail, think back to that moment that in my, my bedroom with my, my school books, mm. just me, the radio, and my air guitar, you know, um, and just living in that moment of just like euphoria. It's essentially what it was. Mm. And like I had to go tell everybody about this album that had already been released for 10 years, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a little different back then, I think, obviously, because, you, you know, was, was CDs we were, we were you know, forking out money for and we were searching for our music, you know. Yeah, so, it wasn't um, as easily accessible. Yeah, it couldn't just pop it up on my phone, yeah, you know, yeah. on, on the old dial-up phone. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I do get that feeling. And, and I tell a lot of my, my, my drum students about this as well. Like, you know, I'll always ask him who's your favorite band who's your favorite artist what songs do you like you know what's brought you here to 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 do drumming you know like you know yep. something's brought you here so so i and like i'll always give him you know two of my i'll give him two stories of mine you know one being um well my biggest influence was you know chad smith from red hot chili peppers yep. but when i talk about music and my love and what made me just just took me to another level in the world of music it was New Jersey, and I talk about it. So basically, what I'm saying, I'm saying it to you now, the way I'm expressing it right here, right now, I give it that same energy yeah. and and conviction to yeah. the story because it meant it means so much, and that's why it's so exciting being here now because <laughs> it's like now everybody can hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's lots to talk about with this. I mean. Well, just on that, like the students that you tell about this album, do they ever actually go and check it out and then come back to you and say that they they got into it? A or few anything? of them have, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, a few of them are like whether it be the the student or the parents, you know, because yeah. obviously a lot more of the parents know, you know, yeah, about you know the style or they know Bon Jovi or they know a lot of the eighties bands around that as well. So. Um, some of them are already familiar with it, so it's great. Oh, I have had a few students um, do some some drum covers of, of, nice. of some of the songs. That's I want them to do um, uh, "Lay Your Hands on Me." I don't want to do "I'll Be There for You." So it was kind of like this is cool. Like, yeah. I, I'm seeing my youth when I'm seeing them do it. Like it takes me back to when I started learning those learning those songs on drums. Yeah, you know. So it was a great. Uh, yeah, it's just it's like looking in, into a into a mirror, looking into the past. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's important to share those. Stories, I think, especially with people, young kids getting into music because yeah. it's such a, a special feeling that you get. I remember that with, you know, I know we're not here to talk about these albums, but, you know, Nevermind or, or Frog Stomp, Silver Chair and, you know, and Bon Jovi. I was, you know, had the Crossroads album and I played it back to front, back to front, back to front, back to front. Um, absolutely loved it. And, you know, I still, I still love Bon Jovi as much as I did back then it still means the same thing to me that's a beautiful feeling um so i'm really glad we're here today to uh to get a, a deep dive into this album we, we actually didn't know which album to do because we were we were talking uh just in general about our dare i say love for bon jovi it's a love it's a love it's a feeling mutual right. <laughs> and <Yeah>. um <laughs> we, we actually didn't know which album to do we might we thought we might do these days and then uh, just a general Bon Jovi yeah. episode. You just do the crossroads, just just do the hits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 crossroads. But then, I don't know, somehow we settled on New Jersey and I'm glad. So Yeah, I'm uh, glad we're doing this too. I feel pretty good being here. Like yeah. I said to you before, I've been uh, about goosebumps all day waiting to do this. So yeah. here we are. Well, we've been hanging out a bit more lately. You know, you you played some drums on a couple of new tracks that we've just recorded, which I'm really pumped about. Oh, man, can't um, wait to hear this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when we caught up to Jam 
uh, at your place a few weeks ago, you know, you had your Bon Jovi pictures up and stuff and uh, a few New Jersey pictures oh, up and yes. you were talking about the album and I'm like, oh, there's a couple of songs on there that I just never got into um, and I'm going to eat my words tonight because two of those songs are my favourites at the moment. Oh, I was going to say, I was hoping that yeah. this would uh, change you a little bit. I'm, I'm really interested to hear where this goes now. So yeah. it's it's good, yeah. Well, I know you've had a lot of time to cram it in and really uh, indulge in it, you know. So Yeah, well, I've just had a few weeks off work, so I've, I've gone down many rabbit holes in that time music-wise, and uh, Bon Jovi is one of them. So let's get into, I guess, a few details about the album. Um I mean, New Jersey was Bon Jovi's fourth studio album, released on September 19th, 1988 on Mercury Records. Uh, it was produced by Bruce Fairbairn. Correct. Fairbairn. Fairbairn. Yep. And uh, recorded at Little Mountain Sound Studios in Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. And Bob Rock was actually the engineer and mixed the album. Not a bad lineup yeah. to, be, uh, to be putting the work into your album, is it? Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, Bon Jovi uh, previously recorded Slippery When Wet, um, as well as Keep the Faith, which would follow on from New Jersey uh, at the same studio, although Keep the Faith, they'd actually record with Bob Rock. Um so just a little bit about that studio. During the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it was the most successful recording studio in Western Canada and was the home for many years to come for producers Bruce Fairbairn and Bob Rock. Um, they'd record Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, ACDC, Metallica, Brian Adams, Motley Crue, David Lee Roth, um, and The Cult, among many others. And... Um, I think they changed their name, the studio changed their name in the mid-90s and they'd go on to record Nickelback, Katie Lang, Queensryche. Ah. So it's uh, obviously got a lot of lot of history That's there. profile there. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a follow-up to uh, Slippery When Wet, which was uh, obviously a huge third album for the band. Um, really kicked up their popularity and they wanted to continue that with the next album. So they got got to work on New Jersey pretty much straight away. That was it. You know? Yeah. And the way you hear the album as well is that band just did a lot of growing up. When you listen to Slippery and Wet going into New Jersey, you hear how much that band grew up. Mm. Slippery and Wet brought them into complete stardom, massive hits on there. Living on a Prayer, Bad Name, uh, One of Their Alive, you know, list goes on. Um Massive world tour. That yeah. was it. They just it, that the world started to become theirs. What do you do next? Yeah. How, how do you top that? Yeah. You know, do you re- do you write another slippery and wet? You know, slippery and wet version two, or do you now move the needle just a bit more, just that bit to say it's going to be different mm. but, and better. Mm. Doesn't have to go. Doesn't have to stray too far away from what slippery was. Just get it. Just evolve it from there. Yeah. And they absolutely nailed it. I mean, yeah. like I said, if, they, if Slippery brought them into stardom, then New Jersey absolutely just kicked the door down yeah. and said, if you didn't notice us now, here we are. Yeah. Well, I, Look I, at me now. They didn't want to be seen as one-hit wonders. Absolutely not. Um, <clears throat> like I said, yeah, they hit the, hit the studio pretty much straight after the Slippery tour. Uh, I think they maybe had four weeks break. 
Um, I think they originally wanted New Jersey to be a double album. And uh, what was the working title originally? Do you remember? Oh, no. Son- uh, oh, you got it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sons of Beaches. Sons of Beaches. Uh, yeah. I, know that, I, know, I know they've thrown that slogan around a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, even, it's, even it. in, it's even in the song um, Nine Nine in the Shade. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. And I, I know they've had some posters and that, like they had like that, you know, big flags and with you know, Sons of Beaches is kinda of like it's kinda of like a yeah. I was like, whether it's a working title or just kinda of like a motto of, of theirs, you know. Yeah. They love the they love the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Not the one that we know with Paulie D and all that, but <laughs> probably from one from a much different time, you know. I'm glad they went with New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, I love it because yeah. it's and even what they've said about New Jersey as the title is it's not just about New Jersey the place, it's New Jersey the attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It's the attitude, you know, it's it's you know, you know, it, it's it's an attitude. It's 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 a um, it's how you are as as a person. Um, it's a it's a an ethic basically. Yeah. It's a yeah, a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. It's when you do something, you do it with conviction. That's the that's the the New Jersey way. Hard you know? work. That's it. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's basically what that title was about. More so about the attitude rather than just the than just a place to call home. Yeah. Well, it was a. A good quote from John that I sort of uh, came across when I was researching this album. Uh, he said, with a New Jersey record, I refuse to have anyone think this is all luck. So, you know, their success from Slippery. Uh, you know, we wanted to show that with the first two records, uh, there was something there. And even with the third, you know, it paid off big time. Uh, we weren't going to be a one-hit wonder. Uh, there was a moment in time when we thought we could have done any anything anywhere and gotten away with it so they were obviously on a massive a massive high after slippery and um you know new jersey obviously springboarded that even further so they were just in a really unstoppable place and that's why they had such a, a massive tour um which took them all around the world and basically exhausted them oh yes uh, it, was, it was a pretty unfortunate kind of like how it all just fell away at the end you know mm. um i don't think there was any i don't think there was any fighting or any you know any you know uh, you know anything in house that was um sour or anything the dudes were just cooked yeah that tour man Whew-wee. And I was I've spoken to you before as well about that um that amazing VHS, the uh oh, yeah. Bon Jovi Access All Areas, which is the New Jersey tour. Yep. You know, you see it, you know, from all the countries they go into and they look, they look like they're having a rad time and everything like that. They <laughs> have a lot of ups and downs, you know, with, with promoters and certain things like that as well. Um but you see by the end of it, you know, um they just look exhausted and they're just ready to come home. It's <laughs> a long time. Yeah, pretty much they they just went their separate ways. Yeah. They got home yeah. to wherever their wherever home was for them at the time. Uh, it would be New, New Jersey, New Jersey. Or, or whether they were living in LA <laughs> or whatever it might have been. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was just basically no one really, no one really. Yeah, they just kind of went their separate ways, did their own things. You saw that they a lot of them did their own uh, solo projects afterwards, whether it be yeah. writing albums or acting or doing theatre or whatever it might have been. Mm. You know. But yeah, but apparently. That was all it was, you know. They just took their time off, and a few months later, just got on the phone and yeah. said, "Hey, hey, gone. Hey, let's go." That's yeah. <laughs> but of course, media was always hyping it up to uh, be like, "Oh, you know, Bon Jovi. Are they are they are they at an end? You know, yeah. they you know they haven't done anything. They're, they're nowhere to be seen. You know." But no, nah, they they knew within within themselves. It was just, it was just you know, we need a break. We've been on the road for three four, three four years or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, two and a half whatever it was. Yeah, uh, all the shows had been doing for that that tour. Yeah. 
And it was just like, okay, yeah. I need, to see, I need to see somebody else's backside for a change. You know, you know? Sick of seeing Richie, sick of seeing John. Yeah, yeah and you would be. And, and, yeah. you know, that, I think it's a natural thing. You know, yeah. Well, it was a, a 16th month, sorry, a 16-month tour. 16 months. Uh, well, yeah, all around the world, arenas and stadiums. Um, I think they started in Hall- sorry, on Halloween in Dublin in 88. Um, and it was like 237 shows up until February 1990. 237 shows. Jesus. In that time as well. So, mm. geez, like I just said, I said tour went, for, tour went for three or four years. Geez, it felt like <laughs> all those shows would have felt like two, two three or four years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was only like a year and a half. Yeah. All that, man. Don't, don't forget all the other stuff you got to do as well. All, all, the, all the press work, all the, uh, all the PR, yep. ev- everything, you know, the promo, the TV shows. Uh, that, you know, all the features, especially back then, there's probably it was more opportunities. It was the for Beatles, that. you know, yeah. that, that's the way it was then. It was you want to see the you want to see the band. Well, this is where they're going to be, and the band's got to show up, you know. So uh, debuted at number eight on the Billboard charts, uh, and it reached number one in its second week after release. Crazy, uh, and it remained at the top for four consecutive weeks. And uh, was Bon Jovi's last album to do that until Lost Highway in 2007. Not a favourite of yours. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, so it spent 77 <laughs> weeks on the charts, uh, selling 7 million copies in the US and another 5 million overseas. And um, I think the album to knock them off the number one spot thereafter, uh, the what was it? Eight or oh, four weeks was uh, U2's Rattle and Hum. Not a bad, not a, not a bad album to get knocked off by. Yeah, especially when you you know when you've been yeah you know, up on the pedestal for so long. Absolutely. So yeah, not bad. No, another good album. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, it's obviously still still a big seller. That's right. I reckon we should have a little chat about the tracks now. This is what we want to talk about. We'll talk about how damn good this album is. Why do we talk about why this album is so damn good? So do you reckon uh, they had the the track listing in the right order? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it works for me. Hey, like I said, for a 15 or 14, 15-year-old kid hearing the album, just putting the CD on, going start to finish, it just works so well. It was like listening to a story or listening to all, you know, the, you know, the audible of a movie. It works. It just worked conceptually for in that way there. So, yeah, I've got no problem with it. You know, like it's it's funny. It's funny on the way here. I had my I actually had New Jersey on in the car, and I just had it on shuffle. Yeah, and yeah, it's a bit weird now because I'm so used to hearing in, in a particular format. But it's just kind of like yeah, it feels weird when you try to switch songs around now. Yeah, uh, but no, it's just like it, it's beautiful. The, the the trend of it works so well. Um, yeah, ebbs and flows just beautifully. Do you reckon that's something that's uh, not as well thought out these days in music? Because because it's not really a an albums based market so much anymore. Yeah, it's very much single like, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, I think um it's something that needs to be well thought out, I think, mm. because you, I, I think I know myself being being in bands and re- playing on recordings and probably yourself as well, you write all your songs out, cool, you got songs that are slow, fast, loud, soft, whatever it might be. Uh okay, so yeah, you're not gonna, you know, do the first three tracks of slow ones and then the next you know, last bit, you know, all fast. Yeah, there's, there's no there's no flow. It's got to flow somewhere. So I think it does have – it definitely has its place to be like that. Um, even John had said when they were showing the 
songs when they were they were play, had a couple of acoustic guitars around. They had a lot of the kids in the in the neighborhood. They were at the local pizza parlor playing these songs, you know, for everyone. You know, whether they were the kids were fans of the bands or not fans of the bands, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically said, "Yeah, we like this. We like that. Whatever." And the kids put yeah. like a list together. Like I mean, so the song uh, "Born to Be My Baby," the lot of them had said to be was to be third on the album. Mm-hmm. Third, so, but it's actually like the seventh, I think, song on the album. So. Yeah, but whatever Bon Jovi did, it worked for them. But yeah, a lot of the kids had said, you know, that was that was like a top three. You know, yeah, get that get that up there. Yeah, interesting. They took in that sort of feedback. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But that's the one, and 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 you know, they go on the record to say, and yeah. as a lot of people should say, we play for them. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, if you know we don't like it, you yeah. know, you know, you, you live with it. If people are really really liking it, yeah, you know, uh, it's gonna got to be for them essentially. You know, they're the ones. Who, Again, back then, they're the ones who are spending maybe a week's worth of their pay. You know, so the kids. You know, you know, you know, the young kids who, you know, fifteen year olds, whatever's back then, who working their part time job, making you know thirty mm. bucks a week or whatever it might be. Yeah, you know, twenty bucks, twenty thirty bucks a week. They're putting all their money into your product. That's it. Yeah. So well, if that's what they are digging and they want, let them have it. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't as easily accessible as as it is these days. You know, like if. Some people still pay for it these days, but you can also get it for free if you really want to. Well, of so course, yeah. it meant that little bit more back then. Maybe that's the thing. It is, yeah. isn't it? I, I you have miss, to work for it. I miss. I miss doing that. I, I, mm. I do admit, I, I miss every week going down to my local JB Hi-Fi mm. and going, okay, what's these? I'm going to buy today. I got yeah, 150 bucks. I'm going to just go bang, bang, bang. Just, just buy. And yeah, it means something yeah. to you. And and but the art meant meant a lot as well. Yep. The work that went into yep. those albums. The liner notes and everything. everything and reading yeah. the lyrics. But even just the songwriting itself, the yeah. production work of it. Yeah. Everything behind the scene that you don't see. All, yeah. either they, all you see is the finished product, you know, is the song, you know. But to get, you know, what, to know what the band had done, you know, with the songwriting, you know, with the recording, the engineering, yeah. you know, everything in between, you know, it's like there was so much more to it. It's a lot know? that goes into it. Yeah, and that's, that's why record labels were pumping a lot into it because yeah. record labels were banking on these bands yeah. to come up with the goods. And they did. And they did. And that's <laughs> why the quality of the art was so good mm, yeah. back then as well. So the album kicks off with uh, Lay Your Hands On Me, which was actually the fourth single released off the album. Um, so, yeah, it was the opening of the album. And I think they were using, oh, you know, this being a drummer, using African drums inspired by Peter Gabriel. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Very good. You did your research. I did my research. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know Richie was a big um, big Peter Gabriel fan. Right, okay. Yeah. 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 So uh, definitely got that nice big, you know, like you know, the, the, the big toms intro with the big snare. Uh, uh, you know, for the intro of the song, which goes like you know, a minute and a half or whatever it is, there with all those yeah. you know, drone keyboard and those crazy effects going on and everything, yep. it's just like wow. It's like you, you put that on, you know, if you put that on with headphones, listen to that loud, you feel like you're in a stadium. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I was just gonna say it's perfect for for stadium rock, and I think again, just referring to my notes, uh, it was. Um, by the request of the video production team, um, oh, what was his name? Wayne Isham. Wayne Isham, yes. Yeah, I think yes. it was his idea. I don't know if the, the song, the writing of the song was his idea, like to have such an opener for a, for a live setting, um, but just, just to bring that energy to, to their shows. 
um, I think that was that was his mm. idea. So interesting way to open an album. I yeah, reckon. that's it. I like I like the slow build, the fade yeah. in with yeah, look at drums, the keys, the effects, all that kind of stuff. You know, big hey, you know, big yeah, you know, big stadium rock. Oh hey. yeah, it's like ooh, it's like yeah. If you haven't yeah. heard this song before, yeah. it's like ooh, we're in for something here. This is this is like this is cool, and it's kind of heavy. Like the riff, oh, once it gets in, like if you think about it, like it's like heavy metal, but it's it's kind of heavy for Jovi. You're you're hearing Richie. This is Richie's evolution here. Yeah, his his tone was still very different from what you got from the Slippery album. Yeah, you know, and it is Richie tapping into his heavier or heavy metal or heavier metal side, whatever you want to call it. There, you know, massive um, Zeppelin fan. You know, mm. love Jimmy Page. You know, that was that was it. And were, you know, he was heavy player, and his message their message was very heavy. But this is again goes part of that evolution of 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 the sound. And what you can produce, you could, you're still producing anthemic, essentially pop. This is basically it's basically power pop. Yeah. So you're getting a very you're getting metal licks with pop hooks, essentially. Mm. So it made it so big and accessible to every to everybody out there because it was still crunchy and heavy for like, yeah. you know, even the metal dudes back then who were probably yeah. still listening to Metallica and Slayer and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But still catered to your. Duran Duran fan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Got a nice little guitar solo in there. Oof. Actually, the whole album, Richie's all over the whole he kills album, it. to be honest. No, he just, just yeah. slayed the damn thing. Yeah, you know? he did. Yeah. So, yeah, and like, yeah, I, have you seen the video The video clip? Of the song? It's one of yeah. my favourite videos because it's, it's kind of a cross between a, the video and live, you know, the you know the, 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 the recorded track yeah. and they're mixing with some live and he brings the crowd into it with the lay your hands yeah. on me, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And, and like, you know, he's get the crowd to do it, you know. And like, oh, man, to be at that show. <laughs> and that was that was the uh, the homecoming. That was Giant Stadium. Yeah, right. Okay. That was the show. That was what they lived for, yeah. you know. So, yeah, they slayed it. Yeah, <laughs> it was well, great. Well, it's just a perfect stadium rock song. Isn't no it really? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I've seen so many different live versions of that, yeah. whether it be on, on the DVDs or um, you know, just on, on YouTube. You know, you get some some rare footage, whatever it might be, and it goes off every single damn yeah. time. And, and there's an energy in the crowd, whether it be the crowd or the, you know when the, the lighting or the big flames come up when um when the song <laughs> kicks in. It's just like, man, this is the party you want to be at right now uh, because. Nothing else matters right now. I mean, most of these, or most of Jovi's songs are built for stadium rock. I mean, so is track number two, Bad Medicine. <laughs> yeah, that's another one off Crossroads. Um, I've got to say, I burnt these two songs out while listening to Crossroads, so I, I probably skip over these songs most of the time now. Um, yeah, and because they're on the radio a lot too. So yes. it's just... Good old Triple M, hey? Yeah. <laughs> Triple M rock. Yeah. But, um, you know, that doesn't... That doesn't take away from what the song is. Doesn't deter from, from what it is. Again, you think back yeah. again, you, you go back to the first time the moments that when you when you heard these songs and how much they meant to you, you know, or yeah. what you felt. Even just what you felt when you heard them. And that was a that wasn't a, a hard song for them to write either. That was just Richie no. just noodling around and came up I think Richie actually came up with the um the whole bad medicine lyric. Mm. It was just they were in Japan or something. They were just yeah, like, I read that. Yeah, yeah, is it? yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You've got a few more notes there. You might. Have to oh, that's all, that's all in your head, mate. <laughs> um, that's all right. Yeah, and he was just yeah, it was just like yeah, come on, this. It was a bit quirky. John liked it, and uh, away you went. So the song came up really well and became a big hit. Yeah, well, let's have a read of that. Richie said, uh, 
because that chorus was essentially written when we were shooting a commercial for Fuji tape in Japan. There you go. Uh, standing in water <laughs> up to our knees. Um, I was in a rocky, volatile relationship at that point, and all of a sudden this title just banged into my head, Bad Medicine. I walked up to John on the set between takes, and I said to him, uh, uh, he said, that's John, and he goes, yeah, hang on to it because we're going to make that a real, we're going to make it real good. Uh, we rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it until it was really, really good. Wow, we there you go. And that was actually <laughs> the first single off the album too. That was the that was the one. Mm, released on September uh, September third, nineteen eighty eight. So go. a little bit before the album dropped. So it's yeah. a great fun song, isn't it? Would you have released "By Bad Medicine" as your number Ooh, one off that album? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm not saying it was a wrong decision. No, well, obviously what, what not. What happened worked for him. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, only because I've sort of grown fond of some of the other ones a bit more. So, uh, yeah, still a great song. And you still hear it on the radio every day. Yes, that's true. Yeah. That's, oh, all so they, there you go. Hey, that's what they want. They knew what they they knew something. Yeah. 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 Um, and the the third track was actually Born to Be My Baby, which was. Uh, Actually, one of my favourite Joby tracks. Absolutely, geez, just kind of a uh, whoa, kind of catches you off guard when uh, that first two, three, four. I love it. Said, like, whoa, okay, yeah. like, and that big. <laughs> Bob Rock loved a good, a good drum sound, didn't he? Because you hear some of the snare hits and effects that he puts on that recording, like especially that first one on that four. It's like, <laughs> it's just like Jesus. It's like a cannon just, just, just shot, you know. So they actually wrote this one with Desmond Child. This is one of the ones they wrote with Desmond Child. The legend. Who uh, is on a lot of albums, if you actually look into the songwriting credits. Um, Aerosmith. Uh, who else off the top of my head? It's escaped me for the moment, but he's been a lot of jo- a lot of Bon Jovi stuff, but... And a lot of stuff you wouldn't expect. Yeah, it's, own, it's funny he did a lot of his own stuff as well. He had some, some yeah. uh, solo stuff that like he's even a band that I like from Germany called Bonfire. Oh yeah. Um, this is getting deep now. Yeah, mm. <laughs> this is getting far far away. But you know, he, Desmond Child released his solo album, and then this band Bonfire took it on board and made it even juicier. You know. Yeah. He had, he had the band, the really good band, that back it up. Yeah. Right, and I think he did a lot of. Producing as well, yeah. Always just think, yeah, one of those songwriters that was just always around yeah. and always had the pop ear, a bit like a Mutt Lang, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we should do a Def Leppard episode. One okay, <laughs> I'll see you next week. Right. Um, yeah, so "Born to Be My Baby." I mean, that's been one of my favorite Jovi songs for a while. But I got onto that. What was that single I showed you just before that I had? Um, the it was the live. It was a live B side on the single that I had. Uh, oh god oh, which one was it eh? just going through my CDs there it might be under that oh no um, that one let's have a look let's dig into the pile <laughs> not the uh... oh okay is that the one I'm not sh- too sure yeah oh, uh, thank you for loving me oh what a great song single which was uh, off amazing. crush yes amazing song um, and it's got a few b-sides on it Um Captain Crash and the Beauty Queen from that Mars. Is not, man, that is not an amazing song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Born to be my baby live. I'll yep. be there for you and I'll sleep when I'm dead. So Beautiful. where do they record? It's a great it's a great single to have with those live tracks on it. Recorded uh, in uh, New York on September 20th, 2000. So that was actually 
I believe, my first introduction to this track. Oh, there you go. Um, and I remember it being a bit weird when I heard the album version of this track. But, you know, that soon wears off and you love both. It's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I find with some bands, like, I'm, I'm actually shown the live version of songs first. Yeah. Fall in love with that. Yep. Go, and here's the album version. I'm like, nah, that's a live version for me. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, it's a great track. I mean, it's got so much energy. Born, it is, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's one of my favourite tracks to listen to to this day. I, I can't seem to burn that track out like I have with, you know, maybe uh, Keep the Faith and Living on a Prayer. And It's a big in-your-face love song, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's it's got that whole... Yeah, you know, so many, so many Bon Jovi songs are about like you know rising above and you know, like you know, like like, like you're living on a prayers kind of thing. You know, yeah. Tommy and Gina. It's got a Tommy and Gina feel to it. You know, yeah. um, and just talk about you know, you know, you, you were born to be my baby. I was made to be your man. It's that kind of thing. But it's like I'm, you know, saying it with more edge now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, we're gonna make it through this, whatever it is. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, my heart beats like a drum. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man, flesh to flesh, one uh, one to one. It's like it's yeah. like yeah, like I'm I mean when I'm saying this, I mean it. Yeah, you know? yeah. This is yeah, we're in this together. I love it. That's that's, that's the beautiful beautiful thing about it. It's such an anthemic song. It's catchy. Mm. It's emotional, uh, and it's meaningful. So yes, and again, a, a killer live track. Yes, yeah. yeah. I love the outro. I love the outro of that. They kind of just kind of extend it a little bit longer, and then they just kind of wind it down with which each kind of doing his little. Little cordy thing there. I was like, oh yeah, that's that works really well. Well, I yeah. actually said this song. This song was originally recorded acoustically. Ah. Oh. However, um, the producer persuaded them to re-record it uh, with electric instruments in a much more sort of metal style. Um, uh, John said he. Oh, John since said he believed the song would have made number one on the charts if it had been been released in its original form acoustically. I haven't actually heard an acoustic version of this song. Did they? They didn't have that on This Left Feels Right, did they? I don't. Oh, yes, they did. I think they might have. They did. And I think it was pretty good, whether yeah. that was similar. I'd have to go dig into that DVD and watch it on uh, that live version again, yeah. I think it was but yeah, on there. But I mean, that was, that was more of a, a, a remake as well. Same yeah. thing. That's what that whole, that whole album was about, yeah. Um, but, man... If this is all I ever heard, it's a pretty freaking damn good song and it's still yeah. very, very addictive to me today. Yeah, it's it is. I definitely it's... gravitate to. Yeah, and I think they make the similarity to Living on a Prayer, you know, like a Heartland Rock theme with everyday struggles um, explored by certain characters like Tommy and Gina. So it was a similar a similar thing. That's so, right. yeah, Kill the Track. I'd, I'd love to hear like an original acoustic version of that song. I wonder if they've had it on any... Eh? Uh, had it on any sort of special edition releases or anything like that? Probably just uh, not as far as any like you know, live DVD or anything. Just just mm. the uh, Left Feels Right DVD. There'd be a version of it on there. That'd be the closest that uh, you know officially would be released. But yeah, that's what YouTube's for now, I guess. Let's see what we can yeah, find. Let's yeah. dig it up. Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, track number four. Now this one. Ah, when we spoke a few yes. weeks ago, I, I knew this was going to be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, living in sin. Now, funnily enough, I'm going to eat my words here and I'm going to admit to it. This is one of the tracks on the album uh, that I thought was probably one of the, dare I say, weaker ones. But in the last few weeks, you know, going down my rabbit holes and studying this album back to front, this has actually become probably my favourite song. And there you go. And, like, I've 
streamed it and listened to it a million times since I saw you last. <laughs> I just freaking love this song. It's pretty terrific because you start finding things, I think, especially when you because you know we started investigating going into this podcast. Yeah, and you're starting to because you're starting to gauge more about it. You're listening with different ears or in a different way now, and you're starting to go, oh yeah. Okay, there's something in this now that I there's like okay I might have missed before and it's becoming that more appealing. Overall, it's a great song, um, a very you know emotive song, and even like lyrically, it's just uh, you know, John's gone on record to say basically in a in a world full of contracts, mm. you know, why do I have to you know you know, sign a bit of paper to say that I you know for me to love you. Essentially, yeah. you know, you know, we, you know, uh, we're we're living on love, or are we living in sin? Yeah, you know, oh, and killer video, and this this was just before he married his uh, his wife, high school sweetheart, Dor- Dorothea. That's correct. Uh, who's still his wife to this day? I think mm-hmm. they got married during the during the New Jersey tour somewhere there. Yep. Um, so this was kind of based or reflected their relationship at the time. This song. Um, he tapped into his Catholic upbringing for the lyrics, um, which reflected the state of his relationship with Dorothea, yeah, who would become his wife in April of 1989 in the yep. middle of the, of the tour. And That's the one, right, isn't it? They're still happily married by the looks of it. Mm. Had a few kids. But, um, yeah, this track just, because oh, I'm listening to it more now, each time I listen to it, I pick out something different. There's, um, there's Richie's all over it. It's totally all mm-hmm. over it with his guitar and his harmonies. In the second verse there, there's one line with his harmonies. He just hits it on the head. Both turn out the lights. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> that's the one. He's like, oh, Richie, that's perfect. Yeah. You're freaking legend. He's a great backing vocalist, wasn't he? He Complimented. is. Complimented. Those two just oh. work so well. And it sounds like because the tour was so grueling, and you know, John lost his voice a lot or struggled with it. Richie was there to back him up with the higher notes and, you know, had yeah. his back and- that's why it's a bit sad to see them not together at this. Yeah, anyway, that might be another podcast. But, That's right. Uh, Talk about Richie Sambora's new album coming out. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the one. Yeah. You heard Richie sing um sing the Bon Jovi songs? You heard some? You know, so have you seen? Uh, a little bit, yeah. He does a bit of that because when he does his solo tour and all that, you know, bring out like Luminar Prayer, I'll Be There For You, whatever it might be. Yeah, he sounds great. He's got a great voice, you know. Mm. Really nice, just really soulful. And he's still got a lot of strength in his, in his voice as well, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he does. He he can definitely carry it if he if you know yeah. John's John's got such a unique voice as well. Mm. The way he sings, his, his his tonality is very differently. Not really anyone sounded like yeah. like John. You know, um, he never went over the top. He really had good control, good control in his voice. But yeah, if it came to those moments where oops, I need to take a break because it's very demanding, very demanding, especially with those tour dates and so forth. Mm. Uh, yeah, Richie, step up to step up to the plate, baby. Yeah, it's not easy to sing all that stuff. Not at for, all. for either of them. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was good that Richie was there to to have his back. I guess. Gotta love that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, living in sin, man. I, I I can't say enough about that at the moment. Yeah. That's uh, every morning on on the way to work. I've got that going. It's such a smooth track. I mean, yeah. again, it starts out, you know, with you know just having those a lot of the the, the kind of the keyboard, yeah, you know, the chords and. A nice hi hat work just to bring the song in, and it's just it's just got a really, it's a great pop feel to it. You know, you can almost hear like Richard Marx do something like this mm. kind of thing. You know, it's such an accessible song, but you know when it kicks in, 
you know, like, you know, in, in the verse, you know, the drums really, really kick in, the guitars bring in, and it just lifts. Yeah. And then it gets a chorus, it just lifts again. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. Then it comes right back down into that second verse. And it's, it, it, I mean, oh. Yeah, no, it's, it's got me. <laughs> it's and just, you yeah. know what? There's one chord strum. He, he does it twice, but the second time around that he does it, it's more effective. It's like... Uh, I think it's just after the solo and it's just one chord and it's just the nicest tone. I don't know what chord it is. I haven't sort of gone that <laughs> far into it. But it's just the nicest sounding chord, perfectly placed. And I'm like, oh, I, I, yeah. Lush. I just love it. And then the way they, they carry the song out into the outro, a couple of nice Bon Jovi screams it's a long outro. and stuff. It's yeah. A pretty, yeah, but they, they, yeah, it's very repetitive. They just kind of yeah. keep repeating the same kind of four, four bars over and over until it gets to that big fader. But it's still powerful oh, to yeah. the end, isn't it? You yeah. know, like some nice Jovi screams in there. Yeah, oh, all yeah. over it. And mm. Everything. You just throw so much. And I can't believe it took you this long to like this song. I'm, I'm. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I guess just you know because I liked so many others. I maybe I just didn't get to it. Didn't give it the time, but. I'm there now, and that was that was the fifth uh, single off the album, which was released on November eleventh, nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, and then track number five. Oh, this the, is yeah. What a song! What a song! This reminds me of, gives me the Bruce Springsteen vibes. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, I don't so. know why. Like I can't pin it to a Springsteen track to be exact. And there's so much energy in this song. I love the live it's version. Like Born to Run. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's got that similar, similar feel. And this is probably even better, if you ask me. Yep. Yep. I don't care what anyone says. Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> love, love the boss. You know, they're all, they're all, they're all New Jersey faithfuls. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the name of the song is <laughs> yeah. Blood on Blood. <laughs> uh, so this song now, when it was when it was written, it was written. John had the working title of Stand By Me. Do you remember the movie Stand By Me? Oh, that was the uh, the Rob Reiner movie. Is that right? All the kids, yeah, like yeah. All, yeah, they all get up to no good, and you know, like you know, it's just you know, it's, it's, so basically, it's essentially about a friendship, but it's a brotherhood, yep. and that's what the song's about. It's about the brotherhood, mm-hmm. singing about like you know when you were kids and the crazy stuff you'd get up to and what you'd do. And when you went here, there, and everywhere, you still had each other's back. You were you were solid. You were brothers. Blood, you're basically blood, uh, blood brothers, you know. And then after all these years, as we get older, we we move away. We do our own things. We end up in different places, whatever it might be. But you will forever have that connection there. You're always going to have that brotherhood there. You brought each other up. You all meant something to each other from a young age. In through your youth and to the person that you become now, and you'll mm. always still, till the day you die, have each other's back on that. So you're always standing by each other, and it is such a, um, a, a it is an anthemic song. Yeah, yeah. It's almost it's almost biblical in a way because it's talking about mm. what you know people mean to us, you know, yeah. and what our certain groups and our friendships do for us as as humans overall. You know. Well, I'd like to think. That song, even though Richie and John are separated now and have been for quite a few years now, like almost, what, 10 years? Jeez, it's been that long, has it? I think so. Like, 
I know they had. Um, yeah, no, you're probably spot on. Yeah, they had the Circle in 2009. Uh, I don't even know what the next album was, but uh, yeah, it's probably almost ten years. So I'd like to think they still had that brotherhood thing about them, even though they're not together. You know, they've still got each other's backs. Um, and they might come together at some stage and I'd like to think, you know, I'd hate to think that they're just totally split forever. Yeah. And look, and whether, you know, Richie was to return back to the band, whatever, mm. you know, whatever happens, you know, they've, they've, they'll they still have a connection. Yeah. There's, there's still got to be a communication there. Oh, you know? yeah. That, that, that's how it's got to be. They've gone through so much to, to let everything just fall at the wayside. You know, they've been, they've been brothers, you know. From yeah. the very, very, very early age, you know. They couldn't have done it without one or the other. That's right. So, yeah. you know, you look at your situation, look, 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 at you, look at some of your, think about some of your friends, you know. There might be some, you know, you've had, you know, whether they be from primary school or from high school, whatever, you know, and there's still got to be someone, someone there, or even, even just after high school. It doesn't have to be from the super early point. It could even mm. be once you left high school and started in the workforce or in, in uni or whatever it might be. But there's going to be someone that you think uh, you have right now that has been like, this person has been with me through a hell of a roller coaster. Mm. You know, we might have our ups and downs. You know, we may not be doing, you know, the things that we set out to do, you know, like, you know, we want to be rock stars or whatever it might be, you know, we'll end up having to work other jobs, you know, to make ends meet and, you know, start families and buy houses and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, whether you, whether you, you, you see him every week or you haven't seen him for 10 years, you're still thinking about them. Mm. And it only takes one phone call to say, you know, just to really start or restart, restart something again and say, Hey, it's great hearing from you. Let's yeah. talk. Let's uh, catch up. You know, it's a great. It's it, that's what it's about. It's about you know having each other's back, and that's why it's such a uh, a meaningful song. Uh, and I take it to the bank with me, man, all day. That's mm, beautiful. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, I guess you could say it about a few tracks, but uh, how did it make? How did it not make Crossroads? You had to put. You had, you had to give some of the songs off the other albums a chance, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few. Well, mirror. It's it's a. CD, which was what? How much is seventy four minutes? Was that how long a CD is? I can't remember. Oh, now. I don't know. It's you know, say seventy four minutes. Yeah, you could have made that a double. You know, mm. actually, just do do crossroads with everything, and then just throw New Jersey, the whole New Jersey album onto it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still a great mix, crossroads. But geez, you know, songs like Blood on Blood. I mean, that's just that's definitely top top five Jersey oh, songs. Top 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 shelf. Easy. Right top of the cabinet. That yeah, yeah. Yep. Love so, it. All right, track number six. What have we got? Uh, this might be one of your your favourites. Now, this was one of the. <laughs> Why would you say that? I'll, I'll, let you, I'll, I'll let you bring it in, but okay. I, I, I want okay, to see, I I just, see if you're thinking on the same wavelength here. Yeah. I just picture you air guitaring, I guess. On this <laughs> oh, one. yeah, cool. <laughs> and this Oops, is, I already gave that away, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of like. Oh, it's kind of metal y, but it's very bluesy. Oh, yeah, especially with the harmonica. But that yeah. riff, like it's kind of, kind of metal y. Homebound Train. Yes, Homebound Train. A lot of energy. It's really, you know, high-paced sort of song. Not one of my favourites. Oh. But it's part of the album. I get it. It's so different. Like, yeah, it's and this very is this different. is the, again, this is the one that got me jumping on my bed, basically. <laughs> the air guitar. I, I just like I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like, because you hear the start of the song and you hear the the is it a is it a is it a slide? Slide. Is that yeah, slide? it would be. Yeah, well, yeah, some, yeah, some sort of thing going yeah, on yeah. there, and then you hear that from the from the train going on, 
and then just like out of nowhere this massive tico drum fill you know just like what is going what the hell and then the, the big riff kicks in yeah and i think that's at that point where i i, I threw the pen down yeah it would have been if i jumped on the bed <laughs> I, I was done there's, I, there's yeah. no more study going on that night i was like this album this album has just kicked my ass now i'm just i'm just going to be partying the rest of the night in my bedroom now yeah. um so yeah no it's it's just one of those Songs, yes, very metal. It's got its blues thing to it as well. Um, Richie was, yeah, channeling that, you know, heavy metal guy yeah. that you know, that he's, he is. You know, he's, in a bluesy way. You know, yeah, well, metal, metal, blues, they go hand yeah, in hand. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he crossed that pretty well a lot of the time. I think. He did. Oh, he was the man. He was such a such a yeah. melodic player. You know, he, he knew how to blend yeah. it, not just not just get up and shred or whatever. It was riffs. You know, um, you know the drumming. Like I did. <laughs> I had this. I, I feel bad even having this thought because I've always loved Tico Torres. He's one of my favorite drummers yeah. of all time. You know, so uh, I've always loved his playing. He's always had great feel. He puts the right feel in the right place. He plays simple when he has to. He plays a little extra where he, you know he can as well. But in this song here, I was listen. I listened to it for for years and going, is that Tico actually playing on that? Because mm. what he was doing on that song, I had never. Heard him play that kind of those kinds of fills, those kinds of grooves right. in a song before. Yeah, he threw everything into that song. Mm. And yes, it was Tico that played on that. It so, was? so okay. I, uh, you know, ate humble pie on that. But I was, I was like, <laughs> I just wanted to know because I'm thinking this is so different to what he's done. There's so much not Bon Jovi stuff happening in this song right now, which is cool. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, they just they just hit another dimension. Well, it was a very different song, I think, from that for them, and maybe that's why I can't sort of grasp it properly. I appreciate it, and I see it's part of the aesthetic of the album, but um, yeah, it's probably not one I'll jump to mm. myself. But yeah, it's it's quite different. I'm gonna have to listen to those drums again. Oh, there's a lot of the, the drum fill. Like I said, the pattern he's playing, so this is a nice little sixteenth. Yeah, you know, well, for, for the musos out there, yeah. playing this nice like sixteenth note hi hat kind of open hi hat closed hi hat thing, and. Um, uh, even some of the big, like, uh, that drum fill, that kind of snare fill he does going into the guitar solo. And the guitar solo goes forever. He's playing one group and he switches <laughs> up this kind of like offbeat ride cymbal thing. Mm. And, you know, then towards the end of it, you know, into the, the solo, Alec John, Stach, Alec John Stach on the bass does his little little kind of bass kind of run thing there. I was thinking, man, everyone is just taking shots here. <laughs> <laughs> Again, as a fifteen-year-old here as well, I, I, you know, I'm cottoning on to even that. Going, this is how into it I was. I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is not Bon Jovi. This is some other band mm. playing this, and it's freaking sick. <laughs> um, and you know, like I just love when the song just kind of do- the song basically ends the way it starts with yeah. that slide guitar and the and the and the you know, the, the locomotive train going on yeah. it's just so funny because again like you hear it like uh, as i keep talking about that whole conceptual thing there like you know it starts off like there with the train and the and the um and the sly guitar song just kicks kicks your head in for about four or five minutes i've thrown everything into it and it just like <laughs> at the end they just die it's just got that again Slide guitar, locomotive, train, and just taking it to the end. It's like, man, yeah, we're stuffed now. You, you can feel it's almost like you're in the room with the band, you know, and they were just like exhausted by him playing that song. Yeah. That's just how I look at it. Yeah. It's, it's it's great when you can, you know, when you obviously hear something and you, you picture, um, you pick, almost picture the moment. Yes. Yeah. Well, that whole, the whole album's got, you can hear the energy in the whole album. 
So whether it's the way they recorded it, uh, which I assume, but they, they definitely achieved it and that obviously then helped the songs translate into their, their live show as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to those those drums now. You watch Two Weeks Time. This will be my favourite song off the album. Can't wait. <laughs> we have a believer. I'll, I'll eat that humble pie. <laughs> I oh. love it, yeah. And yeah, that was just another song that uh, I think Richie had kind of come up with, just kind of like – and uh, it, the song was really about the lifestyle. Things moving so fast. Yeah. You know? They're just going so far, so fast, and it's just kind of like we're missing everybody. Um, oh, actually, I can relate it to, to the access all areas as well. Because, but basically, the song's written because it's just it's just talking about you know you're, you're touring, you know, like you, you know, uh, what's what's the line at start? Um, when I was just a boy, devil took my hand. Yeah, took my home, 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 made me a man. Yeah, like you know all that kind of thing. Like you know, basically, he's you know sold his soul to the yeah. devil. You know, he's gone on the road. He's, he's joined the he's joined the circus. All the madness, all the touring, all the fans, all the craziness, the rock star lifestyle. It's just about you know? to get worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> with this album. And now, geez, now uh-huh. there. And then, um, yeah, so it's it, it is about the I guess the madness, and mm. you know, is, uh, then there's um, you watch access all areas. So if anybody yeah. out there listening has a copy or tries to get a, or can see access all areas and there's snippets of it on YouTube or try and get a VHS or get someone can to convert it for you, whatever. Um, there's a little montage bit of, of it. Like, and it's basically just that song playing and it's just, it's just clips of like where they are in the world at the time. It's just like the song playing. They're like, you know, like, you know, you know, Montreal or Sydney or, you know, Japan, whatever it might be. Cool. Japan. Um, yeah. So just like, yeah. And it's just pictures of them on, on planes or just hanging out or just in different places. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool. The nice. song complements that the moment in time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They really need to release that on DVD. I'm gonna find a VHS player, and we're gonna we'll have a good sit down. Well, you're gonna love it, man. Yeah, sounds love good. It. Yeah, can't wait. All right, track number seven. Mm. Now this this is one of my favourite Jovi tracks of all time. Probably, I'd say top five. We're talking. We're talking about the wild one. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Remember first hearing this song? Don't know when it was. I'm like, wow. The, the intro. And then the chorus. Just the, the, I don't know, the melody of the chorus. The vocals. The intensity. Yeah, just the whole thing. Um, wild is the wind. That's the one. What a beauty. Wild is the wind. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant song. Um, so this was another one written... By John, Richie, Desmond Child, and Diane Warren was involved with this one too, oh. I believe. Yeah. Wow. So who did what? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> Good effort, nonetheless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great yeah. effort. Richie's all over it with his guitar guitar work, as another, always. Another ripper solo the in soul- this one too. Yeah, yeah. Oof. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. I I still get G'd up every time uh, it's about to about to kick in. Mm. And he plays that solo twice as well, which is yes. good. Yes, that's very effective actually in some some songs. Um, or you know, the second time around they go for a solo. Um, Painkiller by Judas Priest. I know it's a different solo second time around, but it's killer. Mm-hmm. I had another one on the tip of my tongue there, but I forgot. Oh, um, the Sleep by Pantera. Oh, yeah. He does it a few times. Similar similar thing. Yeah, it just works really well in certain songs. They're great effect, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. 
whatever complements the song nicely, I think. Yeah. And I think, uh, oh, especially with Wild is the Wind, because uh, yeah. obviously does the second solo more towards the outro there yeah. in the last, uh, the last chorus. Mm. Uh, it's just one of those songs that, yeah, you talk about the intro, you know, the slow build, the nice acoustic, nice acoustic intro, you know, um, and then like, yeah, the, the ver- again, the, the verse builds up. It's very, you know, there's those big, um, you know, dum, dum, you know, those big kind of, uh, what are they, mm. Tom, or there might be Toms or whatever they might be, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and just keeps kicking up, you know, going up into, you know, the the uh, and then then uh, another level <laughs> overall. It just keeps going up from the verse into your chorus, yeah. you know, again dropping down to the next verse, going up again. Mm. Yeah, like I said, the guitar solo so clean, so mm. melodic, mm. and hearing that for the first hearing that for the first time, hearing it for the four billionth time, it's mm. still just like, damn, that's good to listen mm. to, isn't it? You know, what? it's upsetting though. Mm. John doesn't like this song. He didn't want the song really? on the. He didn't want it oh, on the album. Really? He didn't want it on there. He really just like he's like yeah, you know. Mm. It was just. Well, it's funny you say the names that you said that wrote it. He goes, yeah, it was basically just four people sitting around a room. Now we know who the four people were. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, hey, well, hey, there's five people in Bon Jovi. Who, was the, <laughs> <laughs> who, who didn't show up to the party? But now, now we know. Um, no, that's okay. It just yeah, it was just it was just one of those songs that just kind of came about. He's like. I like it, but I don't love it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of the songs. But remember, I was saying about the pizza parlor. Mm. Yeah, like, um, yeah, they, they, the kids mm. that were into it. There's something loved about it. it. That's and it's instant. I reckon. Yeah, yeah, it totally. Got, got me straight. I didn't have to listen to it a bunch of times to let it sink in or whatever. It's the first time I heard it. It's like, oh, okay, got it. Yep. I mean, <laughs> it's it. yeah, it hooks you, it hooks you like right away. Now, yeah. like, again, I'm, I'm not. We talk a lot about Richie tonight. Now, I talk a lot about Richie uh, from a from a drummer's ear. I know mm. nothing about. I've never. I don't know how to play guitar. I don't mm. know what chord does. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I'm just a sound guy, and what melodies work and how. Like, I understand melodic movement, I guess, so to speak. And you know we're talking about how good the solo is in this song and the nice guitar intro and all that kind of stuff. As a as a guitarist yeah. yourself, like, yeah. do you listen to like you know if you're listening to the album, I'm sure you're paying a lot of attention yeah. to it. As I pay a lot of attention to the drums when you when you know, like, do you just do you listen to it like from I guess that more kind of um, analytical standpoint where you're just kind of like, geez, yeah, he really, I like the way he moved that chord to there and how he just yeah. kind of changed intervals and I don't know, whatever your tech talk is, <laughs> you know, could be talking a bunch of jargon here, but, uh, <laughs> but do you listen to that and go, gee, that's, that's, that's different. That's really good. That was beautiful. That was lush. Yeah. I think <laughs> he was in his element um, on this album. You know, I'm not very technical. I'm not, I don't, I don't know a lot of theory about intervals and that sort of thing, but Guess I know it sounds good. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, Richie's all over this album basically. Um, and he's really, I think he said, like, him and John really came into themselves as songwriters around the Slippery and New Jersey albums, and you can hear it. And, um, you know, Richie's playing acoustic guitars, electric guitars, slide. I think he plays flamenco at the start of this song, it sounds like. Um, so he's just pulling out all the stops really and it's I could hear like in Jovi's later later work you know I think a lot of things were starting to repeat themselves you know he's playing similar solos and 
that sort of thing, you know. Oh, not much shorter not, solos too. Shorter solos, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't want to be too critical or anything, but this album is just it's all uh, very it's all very new for him, new for the band, and very creative, very inventive. Is it a reflection of the time, though? I mean, you're looking at yeah. obviously at an era that is dominated by mm. the guitar hero, so to speak. So it was very much called upon, you know, for the solos, for the ex- not, not, not say excessive playing, but you know, the, the showcase. There's the yeah. showcase of the guitar there, and what these these artists can really do on their instrument. Whereas when you got to a time uh, like you know. I'm going to jump ahead to the Crush era, year 2000, where you are uh, becoming more in the digital world. The popular music was, even the rock artists, their music was becoming a bit more refined in the commercial scene. You listen to the solos on Crush, there's nothing, there's, you can't compare anything like that to what, what he's doing on mm. New Jersey, you know? So, yeah, it's very much four bars and very simple and even more ex- accessible. It's almost like it wasn't a feature anymore. The whole mm. guitar hero uh, vibe was kind of gone by then, you know? Mm. I think, though, well, they were obviously a different band by the time Crush came around, you know? What was that, 2000? So that was. It's only 12 years after New Jersey, but it seems like a, you know, there was a lot in between. So they'd kind of developed their own sound and gone through phases by the time they got to Crush. Mm. So I could, I could still hear Richie all over, all over Crush. It was a totally different time. Um, but I think Richie's presence was still really there. Mm. Um, as it was on most albums, really. I mean, he was, he's a, he's a big part of that whole. He is. He really is, but. You can't replace him. I'm, uh, I don't, no. I don't, I don't care what the Bon no. Jovi fans say. The, the, oh, you can't, you, you, you know. You can't. Look, I think Phil X is absolutely freaking amazing what he does, yeah, but. But I'm not Richie's interested. Richie's Richie, man. Sorry? Is, <laughs> not interested, you know, yeah. I'm just not interested in yeah, I, Phil in the band. It's. Sorry, you know. There's a partnership. Not to there. take anything away from yeah. him. And look, I'm, I'm sure they're doing quite well with with Phil X, and he's uh, serving his role well. But he's Richie's Richie, man. You know. Yeah, but that time at '88, like, yeah, it was the time of the, the guitar hero. But maybe maybe it was beginning to sort of choke itself out because you had a lot of these sort of poser '80s rock bands that were trying to emulate like Eddie Van Halen and the whole shred thing, but I think Richie had a bit more to him. He had a lot of, uh, I can hear a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan in him. He's like the blues he had, guy. He had the blues yeah. stuff. He could do a bit of the metal, but he didn't go all the way there. Yeah. He kept it in the middle. He had the cowboy sort of influence. Yeah. The country sort of thing. So he had a lot of these textures, and I think he was a better songwriter than a lot of other bands. Yeah, absolutely, like, because he kept things melodic and it was structured. It wasn't just yeah. him just you know, you know, wanking, wanking on the tremolo nah. or anything, you know. He was, and he did know. some of that, but it was in the context of the song. Oh, yeah, it was, it was well played. It was, it was tight. It was yeah. solid. It made sense. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. That's what a solo has got to be. A solo has to be melodic. It's not just you get up there and just wanking over the chords yeah. and, uh, and making a whole bunch of noise. It's got to, it's got to have a story. You yeah. Know, think about, you know, jazz, it's jazz-like, you know, jazz, it's about the story of the solo and the motive of the of, of the moment within the music. So, um, and he's, he does that quite well. That's why yeah. he gets so much respect. 
Well, he had a lot to do with the songwriting, so I think he knew what he should do, not what he maybe could do. You know, he could probably wank off every song, and that's why I liked, you know, Slash a lot because, you know, he ripped, but he played within the context of the song for the most part. You know, he still did a lot of extended solos live and all that sort of thing, but again, he had that sort of bluesy, very bluesy influence. Um, but also a real rock and roll, real rock. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say metal, but hard rock influence. Um, so yeah, guys like Richie and Slash, you know, they they were miles above many of the other guitar players that, that could rip perfectly, but they were imitators, I think. And um, there wasn't much original flavour to them. Um, they were great players, and I could never play like that. Yeah, you could see why. But I didn't aim for that either. You know, well, you could see why so many of these bands survived even through the harsh grunge era, yeah. which we'll talk about later. Yeah, as well. <laughs> That's uh, another episode. Yeah, I want to get into a little bit of uh, once we knock these tracks over. So, oh yeah, all yeah, right. Yeah, it's all good. It's so all yeah, good. it's all good. Everyone, it's all good. Wild is the wind. <laughs> track number seven. Great I'm song. I'm all for it. Absolutely beautiful song. Yeah, yeah. the next one's a bit of a different one. Uh, track number eight. Ride Cowboy Ride. Obviously yeah. taken on a bit of the uh, Wanted Dead or Alive cowboy theme they'd taken from Slippery and that would go into John's solo album a couple of years after New Jersey, The Blaze of Glory, you know, Young Gun soundtrack. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, Ride Cowboy Ride. What yeah. do you think? I think it's an absolute ripper of a, of a track. It's only a short little piece. It's because it basically it serves as, as an intro track into what our next track is going to be that we're going to talk about. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's just all it is is basically a little breakup on the album, little piece, little crackly. That kind of yeah, it's a nice little texture to kind of break up the album because the album is just. Again, you've gone. What are we? You've gone seven songs in yep. that have just All already already taken you on this roller coaster. Whether you emotional, emotional roller coaster. Um, it's gone. The, it's 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 had you know the you know the uh, it's had the it's had the party you know the first couple of tracks and it's had the you know the ballad. It's had the the, the heartfelt song. It's had the the tour song. You know of us going losing our minds with homebound train. You know, uh, yeah. Um, then there's the more ballad uh, or power ballad, which is born a bit. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, just uh, blood blood. the wind. Jeez, couldn't oh, think yeah, blood so, the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, we, we, yeah, born to be my baby was you know you, you, again your Tommy and Gina. So yeah, every, that's what I'm saying. Everything's just been so different. Yeah, yeah. And and has and has resonated. Every song resonates uh, differently, but still still can hit hit that same individual. Um, you know, right in the soul, basically, you know. So, yeah, there's this nice little, little just kind of cruisy, little crackly ride, cowboy ride, acoustic, John Ritchie just kind of doing their thing. You can imagine them like, sitting on a porch. Yeah. Out in the desert Just like. Somewhere. And I think it was recorded in mono. I think I read Oh, possibly, yeah. You get yeah. that by the sound. In, yeah. you know, and they're throwing that kind of needle, that kind of, you know, vinyl yeah. needle over, effect over the top, which is really, really sweet there. Yeah. So it's like. Again, hearing something like that for the first time, you're like, you know, this, oh, this, this, this is kind of cool. This is a good little breakup. This is just kind of breaking up the album. Well, where, where is it going to take me now? Yep. How do you feel about this kind of track? Ride, Cowboy Ride. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to – it's not going to probably ever be your favourite track because it's just a little passing track. It's like a little interlude thing on a big album. Yeah, like you said, just to, to oh. break you up where you've come from. 
and where you're going into the second half of the of the album. The yeah. Album. yeah. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. I do now. If if ever I want to just listen to this next song we're going to talk about, mm. I always play this song before I go into the next track. Okay. I always use this song as the catapult or the intro into. Should we just go into the next track now? Sure, let's do it. <laughs> Which is going to be? May I introduce it? Go. Stick to your guns. Yeah. So it's basically gone from ride cowboy ride. Yeah. Which again has its uh, you know uh, it's a very short song. Was it a minute or something? Yeah. It's better. Not yeah. Much, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because we all want to be the cowboy. We got to you know, but you know, we got if you want to be the cowboy, you got to take the responsibility. Essentially, you know, you know, we all want to be the you know somebody or be the man or you know be the top dog you know so that's when it just goes wham into uh stick to your guns because it is essentially the intro track because it's talking about being the cowboy yeah, that's, right. that's what it is that's why i like right. listening to these two songs hand in hand one after the other yep um because it's kind of like you if you want to do something you want to prove something you want to be something you better damn well stick to your guns and follow through with what you set out to do absolutely you know yeah um i love the line in that song it's, again because this is another song that hits hard hard to me as well because um you know growing up i had a lot of and uh, a lot of uh, sports injuries and i've had to do had to do a lot of rehab and i always wanted to get back playing mm. sports because i just love it and love it and love it and i couldn't bear sitting on the sideline uh, being away from it, you know, and there's this one line in the song, uh, I think it's just after the solo, where he says, well, you know that I've been through it, I've got the scars that prove it, oh, yeah. you know, I've got, yeah. a, I've, got, I've got a knee full of them, <laughs> you know, and like, and I, I hear that line, like, and I and I think of what I went through to my to my couple of rehabs that I had, my, 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 my two surgeries that I had 10 years apart from the same injury, wow. and how much that hit you know, but I mean, again, I heard the song. I guess I, I heard the song long before I had any injuries. But I think that line yeah. already was just such a great line because it's talking about you know, you know, you fight hard, the battle is yours. You mm. know, or well, the battle is won. It's just like it's just telling you stick to your guns. Mm. It just it, they can't make it any more clear than what it is. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. That's just oh it's, yeah again I'm getting emotional. <laughs> yeah. I love that how you only just need that one or two lines to connect you to yeah. a song and it's yours. Yeah, I love that. And St- stand uh, your and stand you better stand your ground. Yeah. You know. Now this is another one that I'm going to eat a bit of humble pie, as you say. This was another one that I thought was maybe one of the weakest songs on the album. I don't even like to you know say that, but it wasn't. Uh, this is one of the tracks that stood out as probably not as good as like Wild is the Wind or Born to Be My Baby. But again, you know, listening to it after we spoke about it, listening to it, this is uh, another one of my favourite tracks. That's great. Stick to your guns. Well, it was actually one of the songs that also John wanted to leave off this album. Oh. So Wild well, is the Wind and, and Stick. The- yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys are hearing something that yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Um, something less appealing that I'm not, uh, mm, I might say. Interesting. Uh, yeah, but that was, again, you, you opened up the show saying this was going to be a, they were looking at making it a double album. Well, mm. that was going to be on that other disc or other side or whatever it was going to be. That and Wild as the Wind were going to be the two that weren't going to be on the, the, the Primo 12 or 11 or whatever mm. it is that's on there. Well, this is, yeah, definitely become one of my favourites. I just... 
And I think because it's um, same as Living in Sin, like they're old songs, but now they're, they're kind of fresh to me. Mm. So, um, and it kind of, it gives me the vibes of, again, what what's to come with the Blaze of Glory, you know, Young Guns soundtrack, that yes. sort of cowboy theme. But yeah, it sounds like it could easily be off that album. In a couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. We're very singing about cowboys, yeah, and, and guns, or well, why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, Dead or Alive could have been on that then. <laughs> true. Yeah. Which I actually think they they actually wanted to use, but John said, no, I'll write you a fresh song. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was that, what did you write? Blaze of Glory? Blaze of Glory. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and the rest of it. Yeah. And the, the whole, the whole the solo album. Yeah. Yeah, what a great album. Awesome. Let's not go there. Oh, <laughs> let's go there. No, no, okay, no. Let's go for another oh, night. That's cool. Man. But no, this is cool. That's cool. Yeah, so, yeah sense. stick to yeah. your guns and, yep, I'm all for it. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, the next track is uh, now why I love Bon Jovi and have from the start, I'm a big sucker for ballads. All right. Now, there was, I guess, oh, three main bands for me when I was growing up, you know, uh, I've always been a bit of a romantic at heart, even when I was young. Uh, there were three bands for me that did like the power ballad or just the ballad thing perfectly. It was Def Leppard, Aerosmith, and Bon Jovi. All right. So I know there's others that do really good ones, but these guys just nailed it one after the other, especially Bon Jovi. And this next track, I'll Be There For You, was in that higher range. Echelon. For me. Echelon, yes. <laughs> um, absolutely love this track. And it's on Crossroads, and I love it. And it was uh, actually their third single from New Jersey, released on April 4th, 89. Is it one of your favourites? Absolutely, it's one of my favourites. Yeah. Probably one of my favourites of all time. Again, you're talking about the um, instrumentation again. Man, there's so much different instrumentation on this album. Now, we shouldn't, I meant to say before, we shouldn't forget about David Bryan. Yes. Because, you know, we've talked about Richie and John and Tico. I threw Alec um, in there. And Alec, yeah. you know, killer bass lines. Yeah. Was this his last album, Alec? Or was he uh, on Keep the Faith? No, he played Keep the Faith. Right. Uh, I then believe, I think as always, and Someday I'll Be Saturday Night were singles. I think he played on those too. Well, but did, he, he didn't play on these days though. He got booted in 94. Yeah, around that time. Which is a yeah. couple of years after. It's a real shame because I really like Alec. Yeah. yeah. Well, he obviously was a big part of this album. And so was David Bryan. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. Yeah, like. I think I gave David his props at the start when we said Leo, we talked about Leo hands on with the drone yeah. and the end of the living. But he was all over this, really oh, he was great. as well. Beautiful. Yeah. It's hard to tell where he is sometimes. Like he doesn't always stand he's, out. But the sound he does. But there's a lot that that, that yeah. does that does come up come about. You know, I mean, like you know, he, he gets his you know in homebound train. He gets his solos. Yeah. You know, um, but his um, uh, his his playing and his effect. To what the music catered for, without it sounding cheesy. Yeah, you know that's the thing. Like in an era where the synthesizer and the keyboard became was was such a a uh, becoming a you know because it was so much more predominant in that music. You know, I don't think his sound overpowered anywhere. No, and in, that's why in the songs. You know, it was still very guitar driven. Yeah, uh, but David just threw everything he had to into it to complement what everything else was going on. And the dude can play the hell out of his instrument. He's, oh, yeah. he's just the, he's a beast. But that's why you don't always notice he's there, and that's why he sometimes almost gets yeah. forgotten. And like, backing yeah. vocalist too. Yeah. Let's not disregard that either. And he's got good energy on stage. Yeah, love you it. Know, he's there with his, with his curlies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's all over this album, really. And, you know, especially on I'll Be There For You, he's all over that. 
Um, so, yeah, sorry. Back to the track. I just didn't want to leave him out of That's the conversation. Right. Shout, out, shout out to David Bryan. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Love him. Love his work. Yeah. Uh, the whole band, man. Just, uh, you, there's not one, one member you could, you could dislike, you know. Um, you know, uh, I don't know them personally, but I mean, playing wise, you know, musically wise, they were just a great band, and they work so well together. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be there for you. Um, you know, what they bringing that the, the sitar at the start? Oh, is that a sitar? I don't know, actually. Whatever it is, it's, or it's an effect of some sort. It reminds you of a sitar sound, yeah, anyway. It might be right. It does. I was going to say twelve string, but it's got something extra to it. So, yeah. well, it's something different, anyway. So, yeah, yeah that's all. Again, it. Richie. Mm. And, and and the song it's yeah, which again yeah <laughs> you know it's one of those songs that it's one of those m- missing your partner kind of songs mm. you know like with Bon Jovi at the time you know obviously having the massive that had the massive uh, slippery and wet tour then going into the you know, the, the new, going into the new tour of what was the New Jersey one you know it was you know it's your Whoever their partners or their wives were at the time, I mean, they've signed. They've essentially signed up to be part of this circus, mm. you know. And they're gonna have to leave home, and they're gonna have to be away for a while, and they're gonna have to you know, do all the things that are going to separate you for a while. And it it could be, you know, um, I guess intimidating, mm. you know, and 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 you know, make you want to leave because you don't know how much of a part of it you are. But they've wanted to. John always wanted to bring the the partners in. That that's the cool thing. Like you right. know, a wife or a girlfriend, whatever it might be, you're part of this. Mm. So that's been the cool thing there. He's always he's always he always made that inclusive right. to 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 everyone there. But of course, there's going to be times where it does get hard, and uh, you know, and you are going to have to spend that time away. But in the end of the day, uh, I'll be there for you. Mm. Yeah. Yes, he uh, hit the romantic at heart. In me, with a lot of his lyrics. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from a lot of other albums too, like Bed of Roses. I was going to say always, that was that was. I mean, come on, it's a it's, it's a nice way of saying I'm I'm cheating on you, but I still love you. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, that's yeah. You know, as a kid hearing that, it was like you know, it's a great song. But then when mm. you start to pay more attention to the lyrics, it's kind of like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> come on, John. Ah, oh, come on, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that that's yeah. what it is there, and it's um. You know, it's just a crazy time as it was. Um, so yeah, musically it moves moves well. Great solos, great playing, great tempo, great feel. Yeah. Um, everything you need. You know, great great song all around. Yeah, and that's what like I said, one of the songs that had one of my students perform as well. And she oh. did a great job of it. She really liked that song, and she did a great job. Yeah. Cool. Good on her. Well, mm. I'll be there for you. That was sort of in the same vein as. Never say goodbye. Yes, for me, that's a nice I one. Think, oh, no, they weren't back to back on Crossroads. No, they were sort of in the back end of the album. But it was, yep. You know, two really strong, meaningful ballads, and I loved them. Still do. Excellent. Now, this next song, I don't know much about. Oh, this is this is like. Can you explain it to me? I hear yeah, this is Sons of Beaches. As right. we mentioned, going back, take throwing it back to the start. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it's just it is. It's literally, it is literally a party song. It's a beach song. It's a summertime song. It's a song you can take anywhere. You just want to have a, a damn good time, essentially. I've taken this song on many playlists when I've gone overseas to Hawaii, and I'm on the beach. I'm just looking at nothing but, you know, surf, sand, babes, and everyone <laughs> having a great time, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's just what it is, and that's what it was designed to be. Again, it was a whole Jersey Shore. For them, the whole summertime down at Jersey Shore. So know? what's the 99? 99? Yeah. It's the weather. 
Fahrenheit. Oh, all right. Yeah, okay. for them it's really hot. That's, that's like, gotcha. I think 90, close to 40, I reckon, 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, yeah, okay. I'd have to do the math on that, but it's damn hot nonetheless anyway. Right. But they're just 99 in the shade. So, okay. yeah, so... Um, yeah, like, you know, I've got a party in my pocket, and you know, I just got paid. This is all the lyrics, man, in that <laughs> song. It's just like, you could tell this dude's ready. It just get, it's a great song for the boys. You're out with the boys, you know, yeah. ready to party, go for a cruise, you know, check out some check out some girls, whatever, <laughs> you know. You know, just, again, I'm just, I'm just thinking of what it would be like at the time, especially when that was out, you know. Obviously, I'm happily married now, so yeah. I, I only have eyes for one woman now, so. <laughs> but you know what I mean, as far as what the song is about. In the end of the day, it's just about let's have a good time. And, like, when I'm overseas, when I'm going somewhere sunny, especially, I like to make a playlist of, like, kind of summer summery songs. Like, you know, it's like Aerosmith Permanent Vacation or oh, yeah. Van Halen's Hot Summer Nights, you know. You know things like the uh, – and, and 99 in the Shade gets on there okay. as well. So yeah. that's just what it's, it's about. It's a fun song. And that's what it was designed to be. It was mm. just meant to be a good, good, happy party song, you know. And um, it's the, – the inspiration of that came from that uh, – I can't remember the artist – but the lyrics are something like, um, um, I, uh, 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 I got some money as I just got paid. How oh, I wish I had someone to tell. Yeah, that, that, that's the kind of thing. That's where that kind of party in my pocket. He, he kind of stole the, um, I got some money and I just got paid, but I, I got a party in my pocket. He just got, I just yeah. got paid. He kind of stole it from that. Yeah. Sorry about my awful singing to whoever the hell's listening to this. So, um, I'm trying my best here. Uh, but yeah, it's just, that's where it kind of came from. We just wanted to have something that was going to be, yeah. A good fun time party song. It, it's kind of funny again. Listen to the album when it gets to that point. You've had that real, you know. If I'm going to go to the three previous ones, you know, you're going from uh, uh where was I here? So, or, or let's say, stick to your guns. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, it was before that. Sorry, uh, right, Cowboy Ride. Oh, well, I'll go. I'll go. So I'll go. Wild, wild is the wind. Then, then into the, yeah. the the jewel track of yeah, um, yeah. Ride Cowboy Ride and stick to your guns. You know how kind of a bit more serious of a feel mm. they have to it. You know, I'll be there for you. Nice ballad, and all of a sudden, let's go out and party. Mm, you know, yeah. nine nine the shade. Yes, that's the time. Yeah, and it's we're getting to the end of this album now. Mm. We're really pretty much on the end of it here. Yeah, yeah. All this stuff has happened through this journey of this album: the highs, the lows, the emotions, the feel, whatever happened. You know, um, where you are at a point in time. Mm. Now we just want to party. Yeah, enjoy this party. You know, let's let's. Let's, let's do this, you know. Let's do so, it. So then, uh, yeah. Do you like the song? What do you think? Of uh, I, know, I know some people are a little bit indifferent about this song. I, yeah, no. It was probably um, no, not really. Mm. I can appreciate it. Too can, happy for I you. Can, is I it? can hear. Yeah, <laughs> it's not serious <laughs> enough for me. I can hear they're having fun, and I can appreciate that. And um, it's a nice, it's a nice mix on the album. So again, it's part of the aesthetic of the album yeah it's basically wild. So, it's, it's like another version of wild in the streets yeah okay you know again yeah. that's a pretty that's a pretty party song yeah yeah so yeah i get it but did they ever play it live like it was it was it really a staple of their set i don't think but, it ever was maybe on the tour so you would yeah on the tour it would have been um but as far as it being a longevity thing not really no no because you'd think being that sort of song it might be a good song to play live but i mean they've got so others and you know so many others, and the more that they built their catalogue, 
songs like that were going to probably get left off. Yeah. It, so that, that's true. So that was yeah for the tour yeah. it probably would have been because yeah. you know they would have been playing a lot in the summertime and you mm-hmm. know it was a big song. A lot of fans liked the song. I, mm-hmm. I like the song. I would yeah. love to have heard it live. Yeah. 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 I get it. It's probably not one I'll jump to. That's fair enough. But uh, I get it. And it's, it's nice to know what the ninety nine means. Now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we're at the end of the album. What's the uh, what's the last track? Get some love for sale. Yeah. That's it. Some love for sale demo. That's all it is. It's a demo. Uh, yeah. And again, it's it's you're putting yourself into that kind of headspace or that that soundscape of what's happening at that time. And yeah, one, it was a demo, so cool. It still sounds. It still sounds. It just sounds like a couple of dudes. Ooh, I think Tico's looks like I can hear some brush. Brushes, yeah, it's brush yeah. snare. I think it's yeah. So that'd be yeah. I, I always pictured that as just being them, like they were. Yeah, they had. They did have a few bottles of wine. They they admitted that. You know, they had a few drinks and they were just yeah. You know, late at night and they just sat there with the track, you know, the eight track tape, whatever the hell it is. They were, you know, the basic basic form of recording back in the eighties, uh, and just kind of went for it, just rap and just basically just played and rapped over it, just whatever lyrics and come mucking around. That's what it was. Yeah. And like you know what, I think that is the most fitting track to the album mm. because again now we've finally reached the end the end of this this journey of this album where there's been so much energy of everything and they've hit the nail on, on everything on this album that, mm. that that a listener whether you're just a listener enjoying music um, I'm someone who listens to the music to get an emotional reaction out of it whether it happens on purpose or not, you know, with like a goosebumps, something gives me goosebumps or whatever, or it's hitting me at that moment in time. I'm here. I've heard everything that has just happened. It's hit me on every level now. Now this last album where these guys are dead, they are stuffed. We have given you the show of a life, the recording of a lifetime now, and we are just delirious and silly and smelly, and we just need to wrap this bitch up. <laughs> yeah, you can t- kind of s- you can tell John sounds tired. Yeah, it's, oh, he's probably a bit drunk, but oh, yeah. uh, he sounds he sounds tired. It's funny. Like, at the end, it's like oh, I gotta go home. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. It's like yeah, yeah. That's it. I'm out of here. I'm mean, done. This. He says, let, 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 let's just say let's just say the record's done. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it is. It's like. And then they hurry up and finish the song. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a yeah. ripper solo that Richie busts out oh, there yeah. on the acoustic. Ding, 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 yeah. Oh, it's a bit of shredding. Oh, and who plays the good. harmonica? Is that John? Probably. I know they both can play harmonica, so it's probably one of them. Yeah. Because uh, not a bad little. Tico can play too. They're, they're all guns, these guys. <laughs> I wonder who it was on that. I haven't seen John play harmonica, and I'm assuming it wasn't Richie because he was playing guitar. But I guess he could have come in back a, and in a demo. It. You know, so yeah, three in the morning you know, after a few few drinks, you could you have the capability to do anything. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's New Jersey. Oh, that's it. It's over. Damn it. It's over. <laughs> and then for the 30th anniversary, they obviously released. Was it remastered? Uh, remastered and like a deluxe with all those demos and stuff Extra on it. Yeah, bonus so, tracks. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd already caught wind of a few of those, a few of those demos prior, um, like unofficial, like unofficial releases here and there from things. And it was good to see they actually did it properly on a on a um, like a remaster or a reissue kind of thing because I really like that song. Um, Does anybody really fall in love anymore? Mm. Um, Kane, I don't know if you know guitarist Kane Roberts. No. He was those big '80s shredder guys, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he actually ended up 
uh, doing his recording of it, proper full release and everything. Right. Um, so obviously written by John and or Richie and okay. um, and Kane Roberts did it as an actual mm. release because it was just a demo for that New Jersey. So um, Di- I think Diamond Ring, Diamond Ring was one of the demos mm. on um, New Jersey, but actually was recorded for these days. These days. So it was seven years later. Two albums later. Yeah. So it made its way out there. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. And they uh, did a cover of. Boys are back in town. Oh, what a great version. wasn't bad, actually. No, no yeah. fantastic. No, yeah. hands down, great recording. Yeah. They served it just as well. John delivers. Yeah. Um, the guys were tight. Yeah. 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 Um, I think they play it. Yeah, you hear, them do a, you hear them do a bit of a version of it on that Access All Areas as well. Okay. Oh, I'm tempting you with this uh, this VHS, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. Can't oh, wait. I'm tempting me with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy a VHS tomorrow. See what, jump on the old Facebook marketplace, see what I can find. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the album. I mean, just to give you an idea of uh, what what other albums were released that year. You know, that were competing with this was uh, R.E.M. Green. Yes. Jane's yeah. Addiction. Nothing Shocking. Uh, was that 88? Yeah. Ah. I thought, okay. That's what... That's what the internet said. Okay, well, yeah, if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. Okay, yeah. Uh, Rattle and Hum by U2, yes. as we said. Yes. That was the one that knocked John off number one. Yep. Oh, sorry, Bon Jovi. John. Uh, Straight Out of Compton by NWA. Wow, all revolutionary, yeah. And Justice for All by Metallica. Yep. Uh, Introspective by Pet Shop Boys. Vivid by Living Colour. Oh, great album. Big Thing by Duran Duran. Um, Guns N' Roses Lies, the acoustic or half acoustic yep. album. Um, Love Sexy by Prince, Naked by Talking Heads, Ultra Mega OK by Soundgarden, and South of Heaven by Slayer, and, you know, a whole bunch of others. So, yeah. The early grunge, a few early grunge ones in there. Yeah. And that was, you know, this is what I, what I wanted to get to, right. actually. Like, um, so, yeah, what a list. Great, great list. I mean, what a time in music, essentially. And it was shifting there. Probably. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It was yeah. the, That was the thing. Like, you, like Bon Jovi... Obviously, we're we're massive in that in that era. Um, obviously, amongst the whole, you know, that that, that you could, you could throw them in the. They, they were never a glam rock band. They they, they, had, they might have had the look, you know, with all the you know the big bright stuff going on, and you know the big jackets and the sequences or glitter or whatever. Might, or, well, not not so much glitter, but um, you know, big hair, all that kind of thing. So that yep. was a big staple of their look. But they never, they were, you know, you, you can't put them next to like Warrant or Motley Crue. Let's just say, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, there was that. That that shift there, where because they had they had such a sound that was theirs. Mm. It was it was good. It was good enough for the metal guys, and it was good enough for the pop guys mm. and girls. Sorry, guys yeah. and girls. Yeah, um, anybody. It was, it, it was, but it was just so accessible. It didn't matter yeah. what you were into. It was a safer option. Than- it was such a safe, but it was still so powerful. It didn't. Yeah. It wasn't synthetic. No, it no. wasn't. Play, they didn't play anything safe. It was still them. It was still New Jersey attitude, yeah. you know. And then, so, you know, their tour ended in uh, yeah, 1990, you know. Yeah. What did we say? It was 16 months, was it? Yeah. yeah big, big tour, but it was just like, my God. The, the, everything was just like, yeah, just flashing before their eyes. Um, they took their break because they just were burnt out. They went and did their own things, right? They took their break at a time where you'd think, geez, how could mm. it Because you watch um, – a year later, it was Nirvana. That yeah. was it. It was nineteen ninety one. Nevermind came out, and that was it. It was nail in the coffin <laughs> yeah. for all these all these um, cookie cutter bands. Okay, and Bon Jovi was nowhere to be seen. So everybody felt that that was the end. The media was writing them off. They're done. You know, that <laughs> they all get together and they're like, "Hey, um, you hearing this? You hearing this?" But, you know, it was a simple phone call. One simple phone call away. Say, "Hey, let's just get back in the room." And it felt good straight away. And 
now you've just had the biggest, most success, one of the most successful albums of your career, one of the biggest tours. You're now the um, the definitive rock arena rock band. Mm. Jeez, how do you how do you how do you come out of how how do you fight and c- compete because you are going to be competing against the Nirvanas and the Soundgardens and the Pearl Jams of the world. Yeah. So it's amazing what they what they were still able to do to still keep themselves relevant. They didn't you know a lot of those bands in the 80s changed their sound to meet what the grunge grunge scene was doing. Mm. But then after New Jersey, well, they couldn't bring out New Jersey too. New Jersey's been done. It's been done. It's it's a mo- it's it's history now. It's a moment in history. They were still able to release an absolutely bang on bang on follow up album that had so much edge, incredible production, mm. and still, I'll say this now, be accessible to the metal guys, the pop guys, and also the grunge guys, all the flannelette shirt wearing dudes out there. Mm. It still worked. Keep the Faith was a song. I know we're going to the next album now, but I'm just going to say I just want to talk about the yeah. obviously coming out of that because yeah. you know, of, of the where to now. Yeah. And they still came out and kicked ass. Yeah, it was a big transition period for music in general and uh, it was interesting to see how a lot of different bands played in that battleground. I mean, you had Pantera who shifted to a heavier path um you had metallica with the black album and um look i'm in the middle of sort of putting together an episode based on 1991 the year that was 91 (laughs) yes so i guess i don't want to go too far into it sneak peek everyone there we go uh, it was such a such a time and yeah sort of jovi was sort of out of that well in nine i know he released uh, was it Young Guns? It was in 1990. And Richard did um, yep. Stranger in This Town in 91. Right. So, you know, I mean, some of that probably spilled into 91 for for John with the Blaze of Glory album, of I guess. And, um, and then, yeah, they came out in 92 with Keep the Faith. Um, while, you know, Pearl Jam were coming out, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana were just off the hook, Alice in Chains, um, Pantera with Vulgar Display of Power. Metallica with the Black Album. Oh, fuck. It was heaps. Yeah, it was. It was, it was incredible. What a market. <laughs> but, yeah, how do you – you just got to do your own thing and yeah. hopefully it sticks and that's, resonates, I guess. That's the thing. A lot it of, did for most of them. Well, those 80s bands got left behind. Yeah. It was un, very uncool to like Whitesnake and mm. you know, Bon Jovi and Striper and, you know, there were certain bands that still crept through – you know, mm. that, you know, that, you know, like, like, you know, Bon Jovi crept through, Def Leppard still crept through because oh, yeah. they had a sound about them that yeah. was still, you know, accessible. It wasn't watered down. They still kind of stuck to what they did and still evolved it. And that's what, what I think makes Bon Jovi such a special band. And mm. if you made it through that time, in that, mm. you know, two, three years or whatever, mm. you knew you were doing something right that was still so appealing and still likable mm. and still, and still, you know, Organic, still, still to 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 what you to what your you know, um, arts artsmanship ship is that a word? Um, yeah, creativity, uh, you know, is filtered from. Yeah, I mean, they didn't try and jump on that grunge bandwagon at all. They no. changed their uh, their look a little bit. Like the, the exquisite me hair, there. Yeah. exquisite. <laughs> so you know they they lost that eighties look. I think yes, definitely. You got to move with the time. And it was a bit, it was a bit 
I don't want to say dirtier. Uh, it kind of was. Paisley. They had more of the Paisley look to them. Those vests with the kind of the, the Paisley, you know, you know, they, yeah. you know, they were just, you know, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the big, you know, big colours. They kind of went a bit yeah. more black in their look, you know. Got but, rid of the 80s hair. Yeah. Although Richie still had quite long yeah, hair, long but it hair. wasn't, wasn't yeah. puffy like the 80s or something. Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't all teased up and, you know, full of, you know, yeah. you know what do you call it, hairspray and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so success is one thing. Coming from that tour, from that album, from that tour, and all the good things that came of that, the good and the bad, whatever it might have been, but there was probably a hell of a lot more good than there was bad. But then to come back and still be able to, to be relevant in a very uh, in a, in a, a very changing climate, musical climate, mm. is all credit to to what that to what that band could do. Them being smart musicians, mm. evolving and growing, and not sticking to the same thing, which left everybody else behind. Well, like that. I think there were some s- smart business decisions. Like, I want to get into the New, the New Jersey tour yeah. bit before we end this because mm-hmm. it was a massive tour and lots happened in between that. But I think, you know, I guess I can jump ahead. Like, after this tour, I believe they fired their management and started their own management company, yep. which would have led then, you know, to uh, to keep the faith. So business decisions like that, um, starting their own management thing, taking a bit more control, obviously getting Bob Rock into the uh, producer chair rather than just the mixing chair for Keep the Faith. Mm-hmm. So it was calculated. I don't think it was by accident. John's a smart guy. He's a good businessman. Yeah. Yeah, he's... He- yeah. So, you know, his smarts would have uh, – he obviously matured a lot from New Jersey to – Well, that's the thing. Don't forget, you're still, you're still in your 20s. Man, he was – I think he was like 26 in New Jersey. Yeah. You know, that's ridiculous. What were you doing at 26? <laughs> I know. Jeez, I think I was still living oh, at home. Man. I was going to uni or something. Yeah. Hadn't worked a full-time job. Yeah. And these, these guys are selling out arenas, you know. That's an amazing thing. And yeah. it's very – Easy, especially at that age as well, to be, I wouldn't say naive, but easy to be taken advantage of because, you know, you think, yeah, you know, we're rock stars now. We've made it. You know, we're playing all these shows and it's Mm. very easy for someone to take advantage of you. But um, you you watch him in the interviews, a lot of the the interviews, like I've I've got, I've deep dived a little bit on, you know, some of those old, you know, interviews from like 86, 87, 88, whatever. He just comes across as so came across as so much older and mm. wiser. Mm. He knew what he was talking. He had fun. Yeah, he, 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 fun is fun. Had his fun when he had fun. But when you when you hear him talk to the interviewers and all that about you know the business or um, you know, the, you know the, just the whole I guess the, uh, the 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 politics of it and all that kind of stuff, he just was so switched on. Yeah, he was always brought up around. It. He was always from a young age brought up around studios, and I think that was a thing as well. So he kind of cottoned on early to that. But mm. yeah, just. You know, um, yeah, he was a lot wiser mm. than the average, you know, twenty-six-year-old. Which would have paid, obviously, paid off for him and the band in a big way. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's get into the tour a bit let's before talk to we uh, before before we end because it's a it was a big tour. Um, I think they they dubbed it the New Jersey Syndicate Tour. Yep. Um, so you know, um, it was extensive, extensive dates, like we said. I believe Lita Ford supo- supported them in Europe and uh, in the US. Skid Row, yes, supported them, which was one of my favorite bands. Yes, um, me too, me too. So, let's get into a bit of the story behind the Skid Row thing. Um, I was reading 
I'd heard about it, you know, years ago, but I sort of brushed up on it again today. Sebastian Bach talking about the time him and John had a fallout. Um, so, yeah, obviously John took out Skid Row. I believe the way it started was um, I think Snake Sabo, Dave Sabo, knew John, and I think he was working with him in some capacity. He was gonna, wasn't he going to be in Bon Jovi? Maybe. Well, didn't he? Didn't he? Pl- did he? Pl- oh, this is bad. I should know this. Oh, I thought he might have played on one of the early demos. I think they were writing together. Yeah. I don't know uh, how. F- but he was going to be the guitarist. Yeah. yeah. And he's a. I love Snake. Like he's he's awesome. And then I think uh, Sebastian played when before Skid Row got together. Sebastian played at a friend's wedding of John's parents or something like that, and. Um, the parents introduced Sebastian to John, something something like that, and then they hooked him up, hooked Sebastian up with Snake and Skid Row, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, um, they took Skid Row out on tour, you know, for New Jersey, and um, Sebastian said as soon as Skid Row's T-shirts began to outsell Bon Jovi's, um, the headliners took to back uh, Sebastian um, about swearing on stage. Right. <laughs> now, this is Sebastian's side of things. Yeah. Which I, you know. Do you take it as gospel? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, um, right. Okay. <laughs> so, apparently, um, where were they? In Kentucky. I'm just reading from here. And Bon Jovi's road crew, crew grabbed Sebastian um, and poured some ice cold milk on him. Uh, <laughs> he ran to the stage to hit out at his tour mate, John, in between songs, calling him Bon Blow Me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never uh, heard that. You know, That's bit great. Of, bit of tour fun, I guess. <laughs> After the show, Sebastian said, We saw about 60 people coming towards us. Leading the pack was John himself. Uh, flanking him was his dad and his brother, Tony. Behind them was the full Bon Jovi road crew. Uh, according to Sebastian, John said to him, I heard what you said on my stage, my M- MFR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then threw a punch. Uh, Sebastian ducked. Sebastian then marched by the road crew into the dressing room and held against the cron- concrete wall. And uh, I believe Bon Jovi's dad punched him in the face or so- <laughs> something like that. Uh, uh, and, and said he's going to kill him. Um, Papa B laying on, laying on the force. So they, they traded insults over the years, and then uh, Sebastian eventually encountered encountered Bon Jovi in the, in a London hotel bar with Axel Axel Rose in 2006, and they hugged like old friends. Uh, but Sebastian said, you know, John took a chance on the band, and uh, he will always be in debt. To him for that. Yeah, well, they ended up touring touring uh, on that New Jersey tour in Russia as well. Yes. That was the um, the uh, yeah. big Moscow Peace Festival. Ooh, yeah. Have you seen that footage? Yeah. That's awesome. That stage yeah. was sick. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Skid Row. I mean, look at the bands that were on there. I love um, – oh, there was Skid Row. There was Ozzy. There was – Motley. Uh, Motley. Uh, there was the uh, – the ba- Cinderella, I think. Cinder- yeah, Cinderella. They made it. There was the uh, the Russian band, which um, oh. John gave the 15 seconds of fame to, Gorky Park. Gorky Park, yeah, yeah. Their first oh, album's actually s- really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I actually, it's actually something I like. It, you got to get past the real, um, 
uh, ESL vocals, English as second language vocals. Oh, right. uh, but it's okay. No, it's it's it's, it's some really good songs on there. Mm. I think John actually actually does some uh, so, some vocals. Oh, he does. He sings on he sings on one of the songs. But um, no, it was a great festival. But I love uh, Snake Sabo coming out and basically calling it the um, uh, it was called the Moscow Peace Festival. Mm. But it was he <laughs> should have called it. It should have actually been called something like uh, Make Your Own Drink Festival or something because those guys got so freaking just wasted, loaded in the the whole time they were there. You know, but that was a that was a, a, a such a pivotal time in in cultural history. You know the whole. Oh, yeah. You know, East there's a massive West. story behind it. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, actually, maybe I'll let you take over this because I want to. I want to. No, I, I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I know what I know. Just basically, of course, just trying to get over there. Like, mm. and they were. It was hard for American bands to go over there because yeah. of all the political conflict and all that kind of stuff over mm. there. Um, they basically were given the blessing from the government mm. to go over there, though, from the Russian government to say, "Come over." Yeah, I think they uh, Bon Jovi like they went over there prior to this. I don't know if it was a couple of days leading up to it, or maybe it was a total separate trip before you know going there and then coming back again. But yeah, to to basically get into the to the Russian market, yeah, play playing the peacekeeper. Yeah, isn't it amazing though? You think about that, like, yeah, and, yeah. And, and he's gone on record to say, you know, say, look, he's even now. He, I can't imagine it. These days, going going over there, going to Russia to play, yeah, yeah it's like a total, you know, separate part it's another of the world, world, isn't it? it? Really is, yeah. but like I mean, back then, especially, I mean, you know, you think of the you know, Rock, Rocky Four, you know, it's sort exactly of, it's yeah. what it was. It was all about the the yeah. the, the conflict, um, and they were given the blessing to go over there and do that. And John, I was saying, John has said that he's, you know, he's he's uh, his religion, his political views. That's that's yeah, it's for him to keep it to himself, mm. you know. It might be a little bit different in this day and age with social media. Nobody can keep their mouth and mind shut, you know. <laughs> um, but it's just back then it was just like we're here to, you know, you know, we're not here to be political advocates, so mm. to speak. We're here to play music. We're here to we're here to rock. We're here to have a good time, and yeah, you know, and of course it brings peace and heart, some some sort of peace to everyone, and you know, that's what we want to do. But we 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 come in love, basically. Yeah. And it's 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 amazing, and they kicked ass. And I think they that, thought Bon Jovi ugh. were the perfect band to push that message. Yeah, you know, because they were they were a rock band, but they weren't, you know, all into drugs and uh, some of the satanic no, stuff no. like Motley and that sort of thing. I guess just goes to show the the accessibility of their music, the appeal, yeah. and what it what it means to people. You know, probably a lot of people in that crowd couldn't even speak a word of English, but there's something yeah. about the music that is. Um, that is that that that's that hits uh hits a frequency in one's you know one's one's body or one's you know emotional capacity. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this this show was a pretty big one, the Moscow Peace Festival, and you know, I've got a bit of info here on it. There's probably too much to yeah, give us a bit to now. get into, but you know, they this was uh, August of '89 um, in 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 Russia, and it was to promote their New Jersey album. Um, and they wanted to swoop into the largely untapped market over there. Um, so their manager at the time was Doc McGee, um, who was also managing Motley Crue. Uh, so it was interesting dynamics with this gig too. Like you'd have to read each band's perspective. I first read this in Motley's autobiography, The Dirt. So this was this was coming from them, but they were. 
They were pissed because I think each band were told a different story why they were going over there by Doc. Okay. Just so he could get them all over there to do the show, each were told a different story. So Motley were pissed because um, at the time they thought he was favouring Bon Jovi more than them yep, in terms of a manager. probably true, yeah. yeah. Now, this was just before Dr. Feelgood dropped as well in 89, yeah. mm. which was Motley's biggest album. Um, so, yeah, Motley were pissed because Bon Jovi were allowed to use Pyro at the show and Motley wasn't because, mm-hmm. you know, Bon Jovi was the big big feature. Um, and I think Tommy, Tommy Lee from Motley went over to um, Doc and called him a effing a-hole. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> and I think he ended up punching yes. Doc as well. Yes, yes. You'd have to read Tommy's, okay. you know, uh, Tommy's words of this. It's pretty funny. And um, I think the whole point of the show was to promote like an anti-drug message. But on the plane over, everybody got wasted. Yep. You know, you got Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, yeah. Um, Skid Row, Motley. I think Motley was sober at that time, I think. That or close to it because yeah. I mean, they were through that Dr. Feelgood, they were pretty. Yeah, I think they were sober leading up to that because they met or they were sort of recording near Stephen Tyler or Aerosmith at the time who was also getting sober and they'd go walking around the park during breaks recording their albums. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the concert was, you know, sort of considered a bit hypocritical <laughs> as many of the musicians were drinking or using drugs at the time. Uh, despite their, I think they were trying to raise money for the Make a Difference Foundation, which Doc McGee founded after he got busted sort of uh, dealing drugs or yeah. trafficking drugs yes. in the early 80s. <laughs> so he started this foundation, you know, to sort of offset Save that. a bit of face. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Motley enjoyed it too much. Um, Ozzy threatened to pull out of the event the night before. Um, when Doc McGee suddenly changed his placing on the bill from third to fourth, upgrading Motley Crue to the slot above Aussie. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of, uh, you know, ego. When you got sort of bands like that that have all had success, especially in the 80s, you know, they were all still pretty big. That's right. They're all um, peak. Big peak power before. struggle. Yeah. Everyone wants the, everyone wants the, everyone wants the limelight, you know. Jeez, yeah. that's a lot of egos to deal with as well. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, the event became known for inspiring the song "Wind of Change" by the Scorpions, yep. which is a brilliant song. Yep, um, and also sort of became the soundtrack to the collapse of the Berlin Wall at the end of the Soviet Union. So it's just so much going. It's on iconic, there. iconic moments in history. Yeah, yeah. So, Music has the power to do that, man. Yeah, yeah. and that yeah, it, it made a difference. It did. Yeah. And the Scorpions were huge at that time. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Especially in Russia. Oh, yeah. So, um... Well, it was all about, was all about breaking... The whole thing was about breaking barriers. Mm. You know? Mm. And I think and they walls. got the point across. <laughs> yeah, and walls, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a massive tour, and uh, obviously they took a bit of a hiatus after it and then went on to do uh, Keep the Faith, which is a, another episode. So... I think that's New Jersey in a nutshell, and the tour that surrounded it. It's a nice big nutshell. Yeah, I would love. I'd love to just be here talking more. I would love to. I would now. You and I have gone out on on our own separate ways, listening to these these albums and talking about 
you know, everything about it tonight. I would love to actually have a night just to sit there with you and then just talk about and just and literally dissect everything note for note. I think it would have a lot of fun doing mm. that. <laughs> I think we covered enough tonight. I don't think people want to, would want to sit here for another eight hours listening to us <laughs> talk about it. But, um, no, it's, it's been great. And I hope everyone out there has really enjoyed this because, uh, yeah, it's it's an album that is still number one in my mm. My my heart and my life forever from any band of all time yep. still brings me back to a place all the time um, that 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 bedroom of mine um, and it means the world to me and that's why it's so nice. To, I was so wrapped when you mentioned to bring this up. So thank you very much for having me on this uh, as a co-host. Yes, yes, I appreciate co-host. I like that <laughs> uh, on the on this episode, man. And um, I hope for everyone out there listening is uh, really gets uh, got some good insight to it and uh, um, yes. Yeah, Spread the word on it, you know. I, I, like it's, 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 it's. You know, music is timeless. Um, uh, so it's something that we, anybody, anywhere, anytime can get into. This stuff can, this stuff can live on forever. It does, and uh, you know, it's uh, eighty-eight. So how many years is that? Thirty or more. August. So it'll be almost thirty-three years. Almost thirty-three years. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, imagine creating. Music and someone's still listening to it 33 years later. That's what it's about, you know. Mm. I'll say one more thing before we wrap this, before we wrap it up as well. It's mm. funny, well, because John says, John has said, you know, regarding, you notice there's not a lot of pictures like on the album covers. John always refused to have al- album covers with the band on it, mm, a picture okay. of anything, you know, in that time, you know, around, around that time as well. Because um, basically, he didn't want to be the flavor, just be a flavor. They didn't want to be an image. They didn't want to be a look. They didn't want to sell on looks or what the band looked like. We can sell an album with, you know, the, it's just a hard cover with New Jersey with the little, little uh, it was like a, it's like a little, just a, the shield or the lo- just the logo and then that, and that blue background there. That's what's going to sell, okay? Yeah. Because he's not going to look, look like that forever. People are going to look at that image of him on the front there and you know, him or, or, or the whole band. You know, they're not going to look like that forever. They're going to change their, their look. Mm. They're going to change their, their clothes, you know, in, in yeah. a year or two, you know. But the music is what's going to sell and live on forever and ever, okay? That's what you want to be remembered by. Yeah. And I appreciate hearing that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean... Doesn't matter that he actually did get better with age. <laughs> Prick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, I think he made a good decision there. Absolutely. And um, uh, and all because here we are, thirty three years later, still talking about it. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode. I mean, you know, doing a bit of research myself, um, I ended up getting so much information together that I just couldn't quite funnel it out into one episode. But that's okay. I think we jam-packed a fair bit in there so i hope uh everyone's enjoyed it um and thank you very much luch for for co-hosting this one with me it was uh, a lot more fun doing it with you for sure <laughs> um so hopefully hopefully we can do another one i appreciate that and so, yes uh, i'm always happy to talk yeah talk classic albums yeah enjoy it enjoy the history enjoy what you know what it's meant uh to us and to others out there as well because that's what music has the power to do it's about yeah. how it reacts to you how it makes you feel uh whether it be you know it could be from a certain place in time mm. um you know or in this you know in the, in the current moment right now or even as a first time listener you know music has the power it is hard to convey how much it means to you sometimes. Like, you know, um, you know, listening to Crossroads in particular, I remember I was in my bedroom at home, you know, living at mum and dad's, and I just locked myself in there for hours. And, you know, there was a few bands that did this to me, but Bon Jovi was a big one. And you just play it over and over, and it, it just 
it meant so much to you and I still can't quite explain that feeling. Um, so, you know, and when I listen to it now, it still takes me back there um, and it still means as much to me now as it did did back then, you know. I'm in a different different place now myself but it still it stays with you and it's uh that's a very powerful thing and i can't quite convey exactly what that feeling is but that's okay i think but it's a feeling yeah <laughs> and only music can do that i think absolutely has it. embrace it enjoy it and mm. hold on to it you'll, you'll never let it go mm. you don't have to try and hold on to it yeah it's, it's with you forever absolutely thank you luch thank you everyone for tuning in thank you craig i hope we can do this again soon and uh all those out there listening in podcast land, if you're still sticking with us after two hours and or just over two hours now, um, if there's an album you'd like to hear us dissect and get into next, hit me up at foxonthewire at gmail.com and jump on all the socials, Instagram and Facebook, Fox on the Wire. And uh, thanks very much for tuning in. We'll catch you again soon. And uh, we'll see you again soon, Looch. And we'll hear you on the new Acoustic Box tracks very soon. Playing Looking those drums. To. Looking forward to it. I appreciate you having me once again. All right. And take, out there, take care out there, podcast land. We'll yes. do this again real soon. Yes. And thank you, Bon Jovi, the whole band. Thank you very much. Jovi forever. Ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, welcome to the Acoustic Fo- Oh, shit. The Fox and the Wire podcast. Oh, God. Now you put me in the spot. Same guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take me from my home, 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 made me a man. That's a great song. <laughs>